Hi there, everyone. Nikki McGowan, the host and creator of the Red Cheetah Yoga Podcast, a podcast talking all things transformation. Now, who I have on this podcast are people you'll hear from all different walks of life. Um, I'll have everything from CrossFit coaches, athletes, business owners, um, to yoga teachers, people who have started um, businesses, who have started fundraisers, who have started 501c3 um, which is a charity um, type of nonprofit, um, and everything and anything in between. Um, what I'm interested in achieving with this podcast is hearing people's stories, how they've transformed their own lives and how they're up to transforming the lives of others. In some stories, you're going to get one or the other, and some people's stories, you'll get both. Um, so all we're up to in this podcast is getting those stories out and getting you guys inspired. So today's guest is someone who's very near and dear to my heart. Um, We have a fascinating um, conversation ready and waiting for you. His name is Santi Callejas. He owns Riptide CrossFit up in Fort Lauderdale. And I hike up from Miami to Fort Lauderdale at least twice a month to go and teach yoga at his gym. So we talk all things CrossFit training. Um, He has an incredible story about adopting his son. So please stick it out to the end of this episode. It will leave you so inspired. Um, This is probably one of my favorite episodes because I've known Santi for almost a decade and to see his growth as a as a coach as an athlete and into like a parent and business owner this is a really really inspiring episode that I think you guys will really enjoy um so just some reminders if you guys could head to the um website redcheetahyoga.com and click on studio it'll link you directly to ifundwomen.com and our profile on that website to crowdfund the yoga studio so ifundwomen.com is an incredible platform servicing female budding entrepreneurs um i know red cheetah yoga as most of you know has been around for almost a decade um but we're looking to expand it in a big way this year so we're What we are asking for at Red Cheetah Yoga is your contribution to help us open our doors. Suggested donation is $50, which will get you eight yoga classes when we open our doors. And all the capital will be spent on opening up the yoga studio and helping us to do the marketing to fill our space. So what else are we doing with the yoga studio? There is this great um, program project that I started called the Cheetah Coalition Project. And I did do a podcast um, by myself, just me and my dog and my cat and a lovely glass of wine. It was late, recorded late at night. So it's a very interesting podcast listening experience, especially when Nico and Sparkles actually go at each other a couple times on that episode. But it's a quick 40 minute episode on um, the how and the why behind the Cheetah Coalition Project, um, what I'm aiming to achieve with giving our military veterans free membership at the studio. So just a really quick um, little background on the Cheetah Coalition Project. Uh, Personally, it means a lot to me because my little brother just left for the army a few weeks ago. And being a, an exercise physiologist, I have my degree in ex-phys from the University of Miami. Um, I'm fascinated by how the body is able to heal and take care of itself when the right tools are applied. And I've learned in my research since doing yoga teacher trainings, being a student of them, 
that our brains and bodies have the ability to heal and cure PTSD on its own. So this is what we're up to with Red Cheetah Yoga and the Cheetah Coalition Project is military veterans after short and easy application process will get free membership at our studios studios that is plural you heard that right we are starting with one of course but we will be growing to many locations and we'll be taking this program with us wherever we open so we're looking to have you guys help support us we're also gifting you with classes um wanted i wanted to be really generous um as a thank you to all of you who have already contributed and who will contribute um please click on the link in the bio on the on the um instagram page at red cheetah yoga the color the animal and yoga and also at nikki the fairy n-i-k-k-i the fairy f-a-i-r-y so um the link will take you directly to the iFund women page and like i said before on redcheetahyoga.com just click on studio that will also link you directly to the ifundwomen.com page so without much further ado here is santi callejas crossfit seminar staff uh, member and crossfit gym owner and he's also spent time being an athlete which he is actually um competing this weekend at the box life games at crossfit winwood and last but not least one last thing i need to leave you guys with before i um send you off into the actual podcast i am leading a transformational retreat in key largo november 7th through 10th it's yoga meditation kayaking snorkeling and incredible transformational group work the people who come and participate in this retreat are not the same people who the people who show up are not the same people who leave this retreat so join myself and monique for this incredible experience we're renting a beautiful four-story home right on the water in the keys and we want you to be there with us so if you want more information on that you can send me a dm on either of the aforementioned um instagram accounts you can also send me an email, redcheetahyoga at gmail.com. You can also send me an email through the contacts on redcheetahyoga.com, and I will be sure to respond to you. So enjoy this amazing interview with Santi. It does go long. Listen to the end. It ends on a really high note, and it's amazing. Give us a follow on Apple Podcasts and a five-star rating. Enjoy, guys. Hi there, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Red Cheetah Yoga Transformational Podcast. Um, today is episode number nine, and the date is September 12th, and I am here at Santi, am I saying your last name right? Callejas? Yeah, that's actually Callejas? Yes. Yeah. Okay, great. <laughs> um, at Santi's house in Fort Lauderdale. Um, so a little bit of an intro about who Santi is. Santi and I go way back. Um, we go back 10 years now? Yeah, 2010. Yeah. That's when I started at Gables. Yep. So almost 10 years, 9 years. Mm-hmm. Maybe 10 years next year. Yep, 9 years. And I was your first CrossFit coach. Yeah, you were. <laughs> so I'm so excited to talk about this. So part of the reason why I have you on this um, podcast, Santi, is um, like... I don't think I've ever told you this, but as someone who coached you nine years ago, like I feel like in my eyes you've grown a lot. 
Like you started out as just like this this really energetic athlete at um, CrossFit Gables. And what class time did you used to go to? Do you remember? It was later morning, right? Yeah, I do actually. It I did a different classes, different days um, because of my work life schedule. Mm-hmm. I was serving tables, taking classes at FIU. I was a student at FIU. What were you studying at FIU? International business and marketing. Okay, interesting. And so, depending on my work schedule, I would go to the noon class. Mm-hmm. And that's the class you would coach. Yep, that was my last class of the day. So yep. coach 5.30 mm-hmm. until noon. Yeah, yeah. So, I would go to the noon class three days a week, I want to say. And then... um. And then the evening class, actually the last class, I think he was had an eight o'clock class. Yeah, they ended late. Yeah, ended really late. And I would make that last class other days of the week. Mm-hmm. And um, and yeah, so going to the noon classes when I met you. Yep. And I remember you came and you were friends with another guy. What was his name? Leo. Leo, yeah. yeah yes. Yeah, and I remember there was a wad one day when we had muscle ups and... Yeah, I don't know. There was nothing special about that day. I just remember you guys doing muscle-ups. <laughs> oh, okay. And for some reason, that day, like, just really stands out in my mind. Like, oh, yeah, it's just, that's Santi and Leo. And to me, you guys were like, I don't know if this is true or not, but it seemed to me from the outside that you guys were, like, best friends. Yeah, yeah. We were working together. Um, we became friends working at a restaurant, Novacento in Coral Gables, the Argentinian spot. Oh, I know that place. Yeah, that place well, they're, they're, really they're now only in Brickell, uh-huh. but they had a location in Coral Gables. Okay. It was actually the original location. I started serving tables there. He was a bartender there. Mm-hmm. And that's when we started becoming friends. And then um, we started working out at LA Fitness before CrossFit. And so we were just like workout buddies and work buddies. That's and awesome. then we started hanging out and whatever. So when I started CrossFit, I brought him and William. Mm-hmm. I think I remember William. Tall, long hair, beard, Jesus. Everybody used to know him as Jesus at oh, Gables. I'm sure if I saw a picture yeah, of him, yeah, I'd remember. There were just so many members at that gym. Yeah, like, nine years ago, too. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Do you and Leo still talk? Yeah, yeah. Well, he's now like living a very different life. So he, um, he's no longer here, obviously, in Florida. Okay. He's back and forth between Brazil, where, cool story, he bought some land in Brazil, mm-hmm. and he's learning the agricultural business. Oh, cool. And he's planting and, uh, and growing organic peppers. To like export. bell peppers yep. or hot peppers? Man, to be honest with you, I'm not exactly sure. Okay. But his goal is to uh, do enough to export to the U.S. That's awesome. For business. Good for him. And then when he's not there, he spends several months out of the years in Nantucket, the island off of Boston, mm-hmm. uh, serving tables in the tourism industry. Oh, that's so awesome. Still oh, that's such a cool life. Yeah, he has... So different. <laughs> I, yeah, the, the restaurant business gives him the, the money he needs, and then uh-huh. the, the land he bought down in Brazil is so he can eventually not surf tables anymore, because I know that's not what he wants to do forever. Yeah, mm-hmm. I did that for a while, too. Serving yeah. tables is serving tables. Exactly. <laughs> and those it's just surf on such good cash. It. Yeah, it's such a... It is. Actually, I've been kind of thinking about picking it up again. Um... But I keep getting like really good work like early in the mornings on the weekends. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, yeah, maybe it's not something I'll get back into because I really appreciate sleep. Yeah, thankfully <laughs> you don't need it, need it. No, I don't. But the extra cash is really great. Yeah. And um, if I was strapped for cash, I'd probably pick up, pick up a couple of uh, shifts at a good restaurant if I had to. But thankfully, I'm not in a position right. like that. So. Uh-huh. Thankfully, right? Yeah. Yeah, but if we have to, that's always a great fallback. Yeah. So, where are you from originally? 
So I was born in Medellin, Colombia. Oh, nice. Um, but my parents migrated when I was only like two years old. I was mm-hmm. so turning three. And, um, and they arrived to Austin, Texas. Mm-hmm. So I grew up in Austin, Texas. How long were you in Texas for? I spent all, most of my life, um, it's crazy, it's going to be now half pretty soon. Tomorrow I turn 36. <laughs> no way, happy yeah. birthday. Thank I you, no thank idea. you. <laughs> yeah. So I was in Austin till the age of 19. Mm-hmm. At that point, I moved to Miami Beach okay. on actually South Beach. With a cousin of mine, and all we did was party. Because <laughs> that's what you do if you. That's what you do if South you live Beach. on South Beach. <laughs> Why South Beach? Did you just want that life? Then, no, actually, um, when we were in Austin, Austin back then was not what it is now. This okay. popular, super like on the map hipster town where everybody wants to live. Right. Austin has always been like trendy and weird and quote unquote hipster. Uh huh. The, the word hipster. I can't. I think came later on, uh-huh. um, but Austin back then was just quieter, mm-hmm. um, but always unique in its own way. We were just kind of over it, right? So we wanted to change, and so we decided, hey, let's move to Miami, and uh, and let's go figure out what life is like in Miami. That's awesome. And so when we came to Miami, we came with an uncle of mine who had some relatives or friends in Kendall. South Miami. Mm-hmm. So we actually rented an apartment in Kendall because we didn't know anything else. <laughs> we lasted at that apartment a month uh-huh. because we then realized it was boring out there for a 19 and a 21 year old. <laughs> Wait, like, was Kendall or South Miami? Kendall, Kendall. Kendall oh my God. Like no Kendall way. Drive? No. Like, yes. And way out Nothing there in the boondocks next to Homestead. Yeah, it was nuts. <laughs> and oh so we quickly God. realized, okay, the fun party stuff that we're looking for is on the east. Over there in Miami. That's like over an hour drive. Dude, it was terrible. We actually had a friend of a friend living on Miami Beach from Austin. Uh Uh-huh. So we kept hanging out with the friend of a friend. So on the weekends, we would drive all the way to Miami Beach. It was terrible. (laughs) How long did that take you? The drive? Yeah. Yeah, anywhere between 40 minutes to an hour, just depending on the day. sure. Whatever. (laughs) Easily. We just ended up spending weekends at our friend's house. Uh Uh-huh. So then we broke the lease in Kendall, and we moved to an apartment on Miami Beach. We stayed there for about six months, and then from just too much partying and not having money, uh-huh. we're like, dude, we got to go back to Texas. Really? So we moved back to Texas, and then two years after that, I ended up coming back to Miami, mm-hmm. and since then, I've stayed here. And since. is that when you came back and started at FIU? Correct. So then the second time I came back, um, I... Uh, I moved to Miami Beach, 71st and Collins area. Mm-hmm. Super cool area. Um, serving tables, and I started at Miami Dade College. Nice. At this point, I was like already, I don't know, 20, I want to say, let me see, 23, 22. Mm-hmm. I don't remember exactly, but whatever. And, um, and so I'm like, okay, I guess I'll go back to school. You know, I guess a college education is kind of important. <laughs> I was growing up a little bit. I was super immature, but... I was like, okay, you know, let's, real, let's, let's go to Miami Dade College. So I started Miami Dade College and then transferred out to FIU mm-hmm. awesome. eventually after two years at Miami Dade. And then you finished your degree at FIU? Yeah, and then I did that. And, um, and towards the end of going to school at FIU and serving tables is when I found CrossFit. Oh, great. Perfect segue into the next question. Yeah. So what box did you start at? So... I was at LA Fitness actually working. Okay. I decided to get a job you were at LA working Fitness. at LA Fitness. Yeah, doing yeah. What? The I started as sales, okay. selling membership. 
Um, Were you brickle. always into fitness? No. No? Okay. I was always into sports and exercise and activity. Okay. okay. Uh, but I can't say I was like into the fitness industry ever. Right. But my curiosity opened up because when I was graduating FIU, I was like, you know what? I don't really want to have a desk job. And I always had a vision of myself as doing something different other than your typical like nine to five mm-hmm. corporate America stuff. Um, prior to that, I was always in sales, customer service, serving tables, obviously, just to get by. And so I was like, well, what about the fitness industry? And so I knew nothing of it. And so I'm like, maybe I could just get a job at a local LA fitness mm-hmm. and start to learn about the fitness industry there. Right. And so Brickle was still developing back then. And the LA Fitness at Brickle was under construction. Mm-hmm. Is that still there? The yeah, yeah. It's still there, yep. They have a brand new Equinox. It's gorgeous. Yes, yes, they do. Awesome. And so I went to the LA Fitness. I filled out an application. I got a job and I started selling memberships there. Awesome. How'd I you did. like that? I liked it. It was. I mean, I wasn't crazy about it. I mean, the money wasn't great. They paid low and the commissions weren't great. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot about walking around the like Mary Brickle Village area mm-hmm. with your little LA Fitness polo shirt and passing out <laughs> flyers and asking people to come work out. It was kind of annoying, to be honest with yeah. you. <laughs> Could you um, imagine if CrossFit gyms had to do that? Oh, terrible. <laughs> Terrible. I mean, I think gym owners could potentially do that, but nowadays I don't think that those sales like approach or tactics work. No, absolutely not. Long story short, <laughs> the company makes you do that, so you got to go out, you got to hit the pavement. Mm-hmm. But it's an awesome experience. I mean, I've already done by that time in my life, I had already done a lot of cold calling, sales, business to business. Like I at one point was um, going to neighborhoods knocking on people's homes to sell AT&T U-verse mm-hmm. cable and phone. So it wasn't anything new that I was scared or, or unfamiliar with, but it was still annoying. <laughs> but whatever, I was learning. I really wanted to become a personal trainer. And that's when I started going online, looking for workouts for myself, for buddies, trying to learn the whole personal training thing. I was reading a book. I was going to take my certification. Would you remember which book insert that was? Um, I, to be honest with you, no. I think it was NASM. Okay. Um, I think that's what most people get. Yeah, I, I'm like 99.9% sure it was NASM. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember just opening the book, reading, and then in one of those Google searches, mm-hmm. I found CrossFit. Mm-hmm. I saw the whole CrossFit thing on some YouTube video, and then I'm like, this looks interesting. Let me try it at the gym with Leo. Do you remember what video, like what workout was in the video? It was, I, I specifically remember a thruster. Okay. A girl, uh-huh. and the first thing that popped into my head was the bumper plates uh-huh. looked like the 45s we have at LA Fitness. Yeah. So I was like, wow, <laughs> freaking girl's a beast. <laughs> so then when I get to the gym, I tell my buddy Leo and William, we were workout friends, and actually William, I met him because he came to LA Fitness to sign up for membership. Mm-hmm. I signed him and his girlfriend up. That's awesome. And so I was like, dude, there's this cool workout we got to do. It's this thing called CrossFit. There's this movement called the thruster. <laughs> and this girl was doing it. I showed them the video and they're like, all right, let's do it. So we load a barbell with 45. Oh my we're like, God. No if the girl way. can do it. We have to be able to do it. <laughs> and we couldn't even power clean it. So, even, <laughs> so we racked it somehow. We tried thrusters. We're like, okay, this is oh really heavy. God. We're obviously doing it wrong because we can't do it. Yeah. yeah that's, that was our thought. So whatever. We'll just go light until we figure out how to do it. And that's how we started doing CrossFit for about do you, a month. Do you know if you those squats were below parallel or too parallel? No idea. I know I didn't squat below parallel until CrossFit. Yeah, I, I have. Sports for 20 I years. don't remember. I just remember attempting thrusters with 45s and not being capable. Of I doing can't them. believe that. That's such a I great. A 135 story. pound thruster is next. 
nine years later, still challenging for right. me. Right. Imagine my first attempt. Hysterical. I think my one rep max in a thruster is 145, and that's like really pushing hard. Yeah. We were like, and then we go back to the video, and in the video, you know, back then videos weren't like good quality. The no. mobile devices, I, I don't even know how they took that video and put it on YouTube. Right. And so I just remember seeing the big black plates. Right. And I was just like, God, this girl's insanely strong. Whatever. About a month after that, we're like, okay, let's look for a local CrossFit gym. Maybe they can teach us how to do this right. Mm-hmm. And so we started Googling. We actually, we were in Brickle, so we went to CrossFit Vita Brickle. Okay. And we walked in, and it was like off hours, so there was no classes. One of the instructors was there, one of the coaches. She was like, yeah, it's $175 a month. And so since I worked at LA Fitness, and Leo was like, dude, that's crazy expensive. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not paying $175 a month. Right. Crazy? Like, I have a free gym membership. Why would I pay all that money? Right. We went back to LA Fitness, and just, again, we're stuck with, like, CrossFit workouts. <laughs> we're like, well, maybe we can find another local gym that's not, like, Brickle, and maybe it's cheaper. Mm-hmm. The next one that came up on Google Maps was um, CrossFit Gables. So we went to CrossFit Gables. We showed up at CrossFit Gables during class hours. Mm-hmm. So the buzz, the vibe, the energy was awesome. Right away, Serge. Uh-huh. Oh, I remember Serge. Serge, yeah. He's <laughs> the best. He was the one that first approached us, greeted us, and you know his energy. Yeah. He immediately was like, wow, this is awesome. We did a class. Afterwards, we went into the office. Denise, remember Denise? Yeah, I remember Denise. She was working in the office. She explained to us the memberships. And we were like, okay, there were like 150 there at Gables. And we were like, man, that's still a lot. And so she, we're like, hey, you know, we serve tables. We're students. Mm-hmm. Can you help us out here? She's like, I really can't do anything. It's outside of my hands. But maybe you guys can email the owner, mm-hmm. see if he helps you out. And she gave us Mike Osuna's email. Uh, Mike owns Train 89 now. Yep. yep. Mike now has Train 89. But back then it was him, N- Nick, and um, Val. Yep. With the gyms. And um, so we emailed him. The whole spiel, hey, we're students, can you help us out? So he gave us like a group rate. Oh, and he nice. gave us a discount. Yep, we signed up. We were super excited about it. All three of us signed up at the same time. And we started. And that was my first. And we did our intro sessions. Our <laughs> the, what did on they call ramp, them? One-on-ones, um, fundamentals. I no. think they called them 101s. 101s, CrossFit 101. 101. Yep. Like 101, yep. 101s. And Alcis was our 101 coach. Uh, whatever happened to all those people? Man, they're still like, around. Yeah. yeah everyone's still around. Like, I run into Mike here and there once in a while. and um, I'm yet to go visit his gym, train at night. I've been past it. When I was training for the triathlon, I actually passed. Actually, train at night was my turnaround point. Oh, okay. When I was like measuring my run okay. for my triathlon training. And I just happened to like... Catch my breath in front of train eight and then I have to turn around and go home. <laughs> yeah. I mean, on social media and the pictures and everything I've seen, it looks amazing. I really want to go. Mm-hmm. But now in Fort Lauderdale, it's just such a hike to get down there. It is. But, I, you know, it's just excuses. I got to make the time to go say hello. And a lot of the old yeah. school people that mm-hmm. that were in Gables back then, I know there's a few of them still left over and they go there now. Like Rob Silver, is he still with that group? Or I don't I think I, he's still Rob is a prof- like, yeah, Rob is still in Miami. I'm not exactly sure what it is that he does, but I know he's in the industry. Right. Um, but I don't think he's coaching CrossFit per se, but he's a professional. Like, I've seen him post videos, like, in a uniform. I'm mm-hmm. not sure what institution he works for, but he does, okay. like, personal 
training and PT and because he led. I did a really cool cert actually. Um, he had reached out to me. I want to say maybe more than five years ago now, and um, it was like the cert that you get to coach high school and collegiate athletes. You nice. Know, you learn like how they do Olympic weightlifting. Okay. And like, that was my original background. Nice. So then when I switched to CrossFit, I'm like, why is all of the clean and jerk and snatch stuff different? Right. And it was a really big change for me with the form and like how you, and how much more like, especially working with Danny at Seoul, like in that whole gym, they're so big into Olympic weightlifting. It was right. so much more detailed and it made my brain hurt. Yeah, like, absolutely. Yeah. So then I went, back and did this certain Rob Silver was one of the people who led it and like I went right back into like what it was like in college and in high school first learning those movements it's so different from the perspective of like an NCAA coach and what their goals and end game is um and the conclusion I walked away with was um yeah I like how CrossFit does it better I actually feel like I'm stronger and more explosive with like the actual like USAW type Right. Of weightlifting than how the NCAA did it. But okay. it was still a great program. You did some right. really cool like warm up stuff and drills and Yeah. I yeah. think at this point, like in our industry, any education and all education you can get, courses, sermonized. Awesome. Yeah. It all serves a purpose mm-hmm. and it all makes us people who are in the industry better. So And it all comes down to like I I love having all those things in my back pocket as a coach and as a yoga teacher. Because what works for one client isn't going to work for another. Absolutely. And, like, to have more than one variation of something, like, that can be powerful. Like Absolutely. Teaching and it doesn't have to see. be, like, they don't have to, like, be opposing of each other. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be dogmatic where, like, this is the only way, the one way. Right. Exactly. You know? That's what I've learned. With Olympic weightlifting, kettlebells, like... Everything, yeah. You name it. So, um, when... I left Gables to go coach at Seoul. I think you were still a member there. And then I ran into you again at Wynwood. And you were a coach there. Okay. Is that where we ran into each other? I think it was like a couple years between. To be honest with you, I'm not exactly sure. But from you leaving CrossFit Gables to me going to CrossFit Wynwood Uh was a big time lapse. Yeah. Um, Because I left CrossFit Wynwood about two and a half years ago. Right. And I was there for about a year. So we're talking about three and a half years. Mm-hmm. When did you become years. a coach? A CrossFit coach? Yeah. Um, I got my, I started shadowing uh-huh. for the I Am CrossFit family. So I was like, Mike, and really my conversations were probably first with like a cease and surge. Mm-hmm. Like, man, I love this stuff. You know, what do I need to do to learn how to become a coach? And so they obviously had me talk with Mike. Mike was like, um, get your level one. Um, but in the meantime, we're not hiring right now. Um, but of course, I kept bugging him about it. You know, I had a mission <laughs> yes. to accomplish. So he's like, all right, we, what we can do is have you like in our pipeline system. Mm-hmm. And I actually use that now in my business model. But the pipeline system was basically people who are interested in coaching mm-hmm. and are learning about coaching. So when the business does have a need, then there's people internally within the CrossFit gym community that, mm-hmm. you know, um, interested. So he's like, what we can do is have you start shadowing on your own time. Whenever you want, you come and pretty much interning mm-hmm. and it's on you. And I'm like, okay, so where do I start? And he goes, okay, come to Gables for a week in the evenings, you know, and make the time for it. So I started shadowing at Gables. I did a week at Gables, mm-hmm. 
Sunday, I texted Mike, what do I do this week, second week? Do you want me to go to Gables again? He goes, why don't you go to I Am in Doral? Okay. So I went to I Am and I shadowed Alex Osuna. Shadowed How was that experience for you? Amazing. Yeah. Loved it. Different style, but as you know, he's a high school teacher. Mm-hmm. And being a teacher, he understands the art of teaching and educating. Yes. And so it was eye-opening for me to like get his perspective and the way he ran things. And I just loved it. And I met the coaches there. I thought it was super cool. And then week three, I want to say it was... South Miami mm-hmm. or Brickle. I don't remember which one first. But I went to all four. Okay. Who did you shadow at those other two gyms? At Somi, um, it was... Um, what's his name? Is this a young guy? His name is escaping me right now. Smitty. Oh, oh, Smitty. Smitty. Yeah, he's like one of the best coaches. Dude, super cool experience. He was at Somi at the time. I shadowed him around and uh-huh. Andy. Oh yeah, actually that was one that was on the tip of my tongue was Andy. Andy Alonso. I, yes. s- I shadowed them too. He's a great coach. Oh too. man, awesome experience. Uh, yeah. Again, just that shadow and internship program mm-hmm. has been, I think, one of the most influential and eye-opening and best experiences I've had as a beginner person like learning about CrossFit coaching. Mm-hmm. And I feel very privileged and lucky because I don't think any CrossFit coaches nowadays get the opportunity right. to get, first of all, that many different coaches. Right. Second of all, that kind of organization, like four affiliates, yeah. killing it back in the day, doing yeah. so well under the leadership of people like Mike, who was just so invested into the business. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of coaches nowadays, they take the level one and jump in yeah. and they have, you know, in, in all fairness, no idea what they're doing. Right. I had... Three months of, sh- and I went through this process for three months. That's awesome. The last one I think was CrossFit Vito Brickle, mm-hmm. and then I shadowed at CrossFit Vito Brickle for a little bit more until mm-hmm. finally Mike was like, "Hey, you know, we're, we're gonna need to hire some coaches." Nice. And all the feedback he got from all the gyms, all the head coaches, was like, "Man, Sophie has so much energy. He seems very passionate about this." So then um, I am CrossFit t- took care of my level one. That's awesome. Because I used to host them at mm-hmm. Coconut Grove. Mm-hmm. And that's when I took my level one, and then I was officially like hired. That's awesome. August 2011. Oh, so like, what was that, a year after? Correct. So that's I when think, I started coaching full-time. Yeah, I had just gone to Seoul at that time. Okay. In 2011. Yeah? Yeah, 2011 is when I, went, I think I went to Seoul. It might have been 12, actually. Because I've been at Seoul, I think... Six or seven. Are you talking about CrossFit Soul or Body and Soul? CrossFit Soul. Okay. Yeah, CrossFit Soul. Um, yeah, that's a really that's a really dope internship, and actually that's um, that's what Soul does because you can walk into that gym and have like all the certifications in the world, and like unless you have experience coaching, it's like no, you're doing a six month internship first. You're gonna do like all the shadowing. And, like, hearing your experience, like, all of those gyms were set, set up so differently. Mm-hmm. And, like, you being a CrossFit coach, like, gym, or a gym owner and being a coach, it's like, I remember at the time, all those gyms got the same workout. Like, yeah. Blanket. The Iron CrossFit family, yeah. And, but if you're a coach at Doral, it's going to run very differently than if you're a coach at Vita Brickle. Absolutely. Because the space is different, the layout's yeah. different, the people are different. Style, everything, yeah. And I remember when I first started in the fitness field um, teaching classes, and I started at UM, like, first doing, like, 
yoga classes, group fitness. There was no CrossFit back then. Mm-hmm. But it was just so mind-boggling to, like, give everyone the same movement. And you'll have 15 people in your class and you'll have 15 different versions of that movement. No matter what it is. From yoga to, like, I use these, like, aerobics classes. Yeah. <laughs> which is a little less intensive with the form. Right. But Not so technical and... Right, but yeah. it's mind-blowing how differently people move. Absolutely. And it can be so intimidating. So, yeah. like, you know, that was an awesome opportunity that you got to shadow so many really gifted and skilled coaches. Oh, my God, it's crazy. Yeah. Jess, Hugo, Serge. Right. The squ- all, you know, the squad at each gym. And, and, and also, like, getting to learn the way they all connected with each other. Like, mm-hmm. the staff, the coaches. Right. And then I remember one of the most exciting things for me was once I was hired, the coaches' meetings that mm-hmm. Mike would lead. Mm-hmm. And it was like 40 people there. Yeah. Because, you know, four or five locations. Mm-hmm. Every location had, a, you know, anywhere from four to six coaches. At least. At least, at if least. not more, because, yeah. you know, everybody had school. I think we had jobs. that many in the morning at Gables. <laughs> like... I felt like I was with, like, this... <laughs> Like all-star NBA team, yeah. And I was like the new guy there. I'm like, oh, like, shit. hey guys, oh, I have CrossFit coaches <laughs> and he's here. I was so stoked about those first coaches meetings. That's Going nice. back to Leo and William and be like, man, like I'm behind the scenes with how I am CrossFit does their stuff. So, cool. it's so freaking cool. And just Mike always being super organized and just mm-hmm. having this way of like leading the meetings and, and it was just so inspiring back then. Well, so when in that whole shadowing experience, like. Who stood out to you the most that you could say that, like, maybe, like, you model your current coaching style off of? Because if there's one thing that really strikes me about, like, the few times I've gotten to see you coach and, like, and when I came to help judge that event, mm-hmm. was it two years ago now? Yeah. When I came to help... The Riptide Throwdown? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it was just, like, like, your presence in the gym and your ability to connect with people. And even when you were coaching at Wynwood, um, you know, just people just, like, zoom... zoom tune in like zoom in on you when you walk in and take command of the space is that something you've always naturally had or is that something that you developed or maybe a little bit of both are you aware that you even have that ability <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah for sure <laughs> <laughs> i do have some awareness of course of like um you know those things you're talking about I, a lot of it is a little bit of both mm-hmm. i'm gonna say the majority of it comes from prior to crossfit I started CrossFit when I was 27. Okay. So I wasn't a spring chick anymore, right? <laughs> I was an adult. So one of some of the conversations I had with Mike mm-hmm. with like wanting to grow as a professional coach and I was trying to be very find my way to dedicate my life to teaching CrossFit. Mm-hmm. And this is I knew already I was going to make CrossFit my career. Right. And eventually have a gym. So, you know, having serious conversations So with you Mike, knew back then that you were going to be a gym owner? I did. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, but I had a vision at a very young age that I was going to be an entrepreneur. Oh, cool. I didn't know in what, mm-hmm. um, but since I did a lot of sales mm-hmm. and customer service, I was kind of gearing towards that, mm-hmm. you know, some kind of sales, customer service business, and I had no idea what. But, you know, when I saw the whole fitness stuff and then CrossFit and then I saw the gyms, I'm like, okay, one day I'm going to own my own gym. Um, <clears throat> but a lot of my work experience and younger like life experiences contributed to my ability for like public speaking or, or just people skills, really. Yeah. Being in front of groups of people and being able to convey ideas mm-hmm. and, and communicate in front of groups of people was never an issue for me. I wasn't like shy about talking in front, you know, and 
just my energy and my passion for whatever it is that I was talking about. And then starting CrossFit, you know, coaches that I admired and I think that I started to like look at and, and really like think about off rip surge mm-hmm. <clears throat> surge was the first one to really coach me the most uh-huh. um and then of course you brad mm-hmm. oh yeah that's right yeah. he's in pennsylvania now yeah he's in pennsylvania he still mm-hmm. coaches uh anna yeah tenny cliff which they're, is now tobias yeah I was gonna yep. say they're married they now. got married yeah that's awesome um so him you um surge um and then crossfit vita brickles where i got hired at okay so that was like watching you guys, but then at CrossFit Vita Brickle, um, everyone was great. Gio, Francisco, Brandon, Gus, um, um, Alex Odriozola. Yeah, oh my God. Yeah, amazing. everyone was amazing. But the two that really kind of just like, I was like, wow. And, and I really was able to pick their brains and spend a lot of time coaching with them mm-hmm. was Brandon and Francisco. Oh, nice. Yeah, those were the two guys that I spent probably the most amount of classes uh-huh. just Q&A and back and forth and sharing ideas and helping them run a class and then taking mm-hmm. turns running classes and they would give me homeworks and tasks and this class, talk less, this class, do this. Mm-hmm. And then um, Gio was running the, one on, the 101s. Mm-hmm. And so at some point, a few months at working at CrossFit Vita Brico, I started accompanying her to run the 101s. What was that experience like? Awesome. Yeah. Because that's taking people who've never done CrossFit and teaching them how to air squat. Yeah. And that experience, I contribute to being one of the most impactful experiences in technical coaching, like seeing, correcting faults. Yeah. And being able to make short, actionable changes mm-hmm. on athletes on a whim. That was all geo. Wow. And that contributed a lot to being able to do well in the internship for seminar staff. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about that. Yeah. How did that come about for you? Because um, to my understanding, it's not easy to get hired for that job, right? Correct. Like a lot of people try and not many people make it. Correct. And all of a sudden, you're, you show up back in my life a few years ago after I started Red Cheetah Yoga, bringing yoga to CrossFit gyms all over South Florida. And all of a sudden, one day, you're like, yeah, I'm seminar staff, now I'm going to open a gym. I'm like, what? (laughs) (laughs) And I was actually just telling someone this the other day, because you came up to me. I think I was about to teach yoga at Wynwood. You're like, so I'm opening my gym up in Fort Lauderdale, and I really want you to come up and teach yoga for me up there. Would you be willing to make the drive? And I remember thinking to myself, like, man, I just can't say no to Santi. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad you felt that way. I couldn't say no to you. I just couldn't. And I'm like, only for you would I make a drive up to Fort Lauderdale from Miami to come and teach at your gym. And now I actually teach in Aventura, too, at Steel, okay. Steel Edge. Sounds um, good. I'm, I'm so yeah. glad I, I did it and still do it. Um, but, yeah, let's talk about, like, how did that come about? I feel like that, in my experience, that happened, like, overnight. Yeah, it's all it was not an overnight thing. <laughs> I'll tell you that. Did they sure. seek you out? Did you seek them no, out? No, no. I seek them out. Um, the way, the first moment was when I took my level one in August 2011. I had Chuck Carswell as the okay. flow master. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so Chuck Carswell in the CrossFit community and on seminar staff at the games, because he's you know, always been one of the lead guys at the games, and in seminar staff is like, the coaches of coaches Mm -hmm. like he opens his mouth he says hello 
he's in the room and he's the Tony Robbins of the room, mm -hmm. so to speak. And so obviously when you take your level one or if you ever take a course and Chuck Carswell's there, everyone is like, wow, Chuck is the man, right? And that's how everyone on seminar staff feels about him. Mm -hmm. So I got the opportunity to have him. I, I was just coincidence. He led the level one that I took. I was immediately inspired. I'm like, that's what I want to do. I want to be that caliber of a coach. That's awesome. So then right away I asked, how do I become level one seminar staff? They said, man, you got to get your level two. Uh, back then it was called the coach's prep course. Yeah. So you got to do that. And it was only that. those two back then. Correct. Right? And he goes, now once, it's four? Now it's four. Okay. Um, the level four is not officially out yet, but it's like okay. on the verge, right? Okay. Um, so back then it's like, take your coach's prep course after a year of coaching. Mm -hmm. And then he said specifically, when you take your coach's prep course, you communicate to the staff there that you want to be seminar staff and they will tell you what to do then. So I did exactly that. So what was the coach's prep course like? The coach's prep course like was a, um, it's changed, but back then, it's essentially taking all the participants, people like myself that were there, and running drills with the nine foundation of movements. Okay. So air squat, front squat, overhead squat, um, shoulder press, push press, push jerk, and then uh, deadlift, sumo, deadlift, type one, medicine, boxing. Mm -hmm. And so what you do is you break into small groups of fives, five to six people, and somebody from seminar staff will tell you what to do. Be like, okay, Nikki, take this PVC pipe, take these four athletes, and teach them how to front squat. Ready, go. That's all the whole thing was. For two days, you do that. That's awesome. And what they do in that moment is they watch you, evaluate you, and break and interrupt you at a certain point. Mm -hmm. And then collectively, the group gives you feedback. What you did well, mm -hmm. what you did not do so well. And then the person on seminar staff kind of highlights the most important things you need to work on. You know, there was three people whose elbows were dropping and you didn't see that fault. Okay. So we're going to try again. Is that one thing that happened to you? Is that, or is that just, Yeah, absolutely. Everybody yeah. gets feedback on things. No, I mean, was that the example that they gave? No, no. The elbow thing? Um... Do you remember what they gave you? I don't exactly remember. How long ago was this? Oh, man, that was 2012. Oh, we're that talking a while a, ago. Yeah, that was within a year. <laughs> Do you remember who led that? Yep, Miranda Oldroyd. Okay. Yeah. I know that She name. was, yeah, Miranda Oldroyd was a games athlete. Uh -huh. She now has street parking. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, which is blown <laughs> up, and she's crushing it. She's no longer on seminar staff, but back then she was, you know, she's an OG. Uh-huh. Um, she led it. Um, Katie Hogan. Hollis was there, so it was Katie, Miranda, Hollis, and was there somebody else, or was it just them three? I think it was just them three. Long story short, um, I follow instructions, I take feedback, I make improvements upon my feedback on mm -hmm. site in the moment, and honestly, just the way I learned how to coach at IM CrossFit, mm -hmm. and with the squad at CrossFit Vito Brickle, honestly, they, and that's where I really started like learning my coaching skills, um, between Brandon, Francisco, and Gio, you know, they taught me well enough to that when I did the level two or the coach's prep course, you know, I communicated to Miranda, hey, I took my level one a year ago. Chuck said to tell you this, 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 what do I need to do? Uh -huh. And she's like, just participate for the next two days. And at the end of the two days, 
we'll have another conversation. Where was it. this? Was this here? Aromas, California. Oh, I went wow. to the ranch. What? Yep, I went to the ranch. That's so cool. Yeah. Is this still the level two? Is this how the level two is still run? Or is it similarly, the, like the how? Yes, smaller okay. group than the level one. Okay. And it's all evaluation. Okay. Of your ability to see and correct faults, teach mm-hmm. movement, demonstrate, presence and attitude, group management. Awesome. Essentially, six points of performance on being an effective coach. They're going to teach you each point of performance. Mm-hmm. They're going to have you work on each one of those mm-hmm. and mostly concentrated on seeing and correcting faults. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the two days, now there is a test. Back then, there really? wasn't a test. Um, yeah, right now it's like a little computer test. Okay. So, uh, so when you did it... There was no test, okay. but there was the evaluations of the seminar staff. Okay. Right? And so at the end of the two days... You know, I go up to Miranda, I'm like, hey, you know, so what's the next step for me? You know, how do I apply for this job, seminar staff? And she's like, well, really how it works is our team here at the level two, we look out for potential candidates to recommend for seminar staff internship. Oh, was that the purpose of the coaches prep course back then? No. No? The, the purpose was simply certification. Oh, okay. Oh, but this was responding to your question about interning to be seminar staff. Okay, got it. Because on day one, when I checked in, I said, hi. You were straight up. I was straight. You you know, I said hello. I put my bag down. Uh People were kind of like, you know how it is when you check in for a seminar. People were like, okay, what's going to happen? You get an email from HQ, but it's not super detailed. Mm -hmm. And so then at some point, I walked back up to her and said, hi, I have a question for you. You know, um, a year ago when I took the level one, blah, blah, blah. She's like, yeah, no, just, you know. Do your best over the next two days. Just fully immerse yourself into the course, and we'll talk about it at the end of the two days. Uh-huh. So I didn't know what that meant. I just took the course. Right. And then at the end of the two days, we have the conversation, and I'm like, hey. So she, then she explained to me that during the level twos or coaches prep course, they keep their eyes peeled for potential people who have the potential skills mm-hmm. to be part of seminar staff. And so they just have a natural, like, organic conversation about it. She's like, since you asked... Yesterday, day one, I told the staff to keep an eye on you. And they all gave me your feedback. And we all agree that you have a lot of the skills of what it takes. That's awesome. So what I can do now is recommend you to Dave Castro and Nicole Carroll Mm -hmm. for the internship. However, they have the last call. I can only submit a recommendation. Okay. Like, okay, great. Awesome. That's amazing. Yeah. Straight to Castro, huh? Yeah. That's incredible. They're the directors of training. (laughs) Right. Nicole Carroll and Dave Castro. That's so so dope. She sent an email to them, CC'd Uh me on the email, Mm -hmm. and then I was just like on standby. How long were you on standby for? It wasn't even maybe three or four days. I was actually still in California. Okay. Because I made a trip out of it. Right. And I was out in California. I stayed with a friend out there. And within like three or four days, I got an email from somebody from their HR department, and they're like, hey, internship, blah, blah, blah. This is how it works. You have to go to a level one Mm -hmm. of your choice and be there for the full two days interning. Mm -hmm. Just like you did at the IM gyms, right? Correct. Just show up. You show up on your own. Yep. It's not paid. Oh, what great prep. Yeah. (laughs) That's amazing. For real. Wow. And so I did that, and that internship was five different weekends, five different level ones. Okay. Coincidentally, at the same time that I started that, I moved to Colombia, to South America. Oh, did you? Yep. I, I did not know that. Yep. How long were you there for? I was there for about a year. Okay. I was there exploring the opportunity of opening up my own gym down there. Oh, wow. That was my purpose for moving down there with Leo. Uh-huh. Leo and I said, all right, Miami saturated. 
Let's move to South America. Wait, is he Colombian as well? He's Brazilian. Oh, okay. So we moved down there, and I started my internship living in Medellin. No kidding. So I came back to Miami for my first internship, flew here for the weekend, uh-huh. did my internship, went back to Colombia, mm-hmm. continued to try Was there to... an affiliate in Colombia yeah, at yeah, the time? Yeah. What, what was this it was called? 2014. What was the name of that gym? Is it still around? There's a lot of affiliates. Okay. But the one I ended up going to to like work out and hang out there was called MDE Origen CrossFit. MDE for Medellin. Okay, got it. Origen, like the origin. Oh, got it. Origen CrossFit was one of the, I want to say one of the top, one of the first five affiliates in all of Colombia. That's cool. Yeah, they were around for a very long time. That's awesome. And that's how my internship process began. And because I was living in Colombia, and it was just a difficult thing, the travel, the back and forth, all of it it was on me, all the expenses. Mm -hmm. It took me about six months to complete my internship. Okay. Five different level ones. Okay. On the fifth one was like the final one. Uh Uh-huh. Because it was was told to me that you have to do anywhere between a minimum of three or four Uh up to five. Okay. On the fifth one, they give you three three responses. Mm -hmm. Either thank you for trying, but... Mm -hmm go home you're not good enough kind of sort of thing okay <laughs> <laughs> uh, thankfully I didn't get that conversation uh, response number two is you're almost there uh-huh. we believe you need more experience coaching go back to your home gym work on these things we're going to give you a list of things to work on and then reapply in six months okay or response number three we're going to recommend you to be hired to Dave and Nicole wow and thankfully, that's the one I heard. So let's talk about this process of the five different level, level ones that you okay. shadowed. Um, do you remember all the locations that, that you went to? Did you go to, were Miami? all five at the same or? No, it was Miami. Uh-huh. Uh, different gyms. Okay. Different flow masters, different level ones. Mm-hmm. And then um, Medellin. I got okay. really lucky with the last one. Nice. They had their first level one. It was the first or the second ever yeah. in Medellin. Oh, so you just so I emailed HQ like, and I said, "Can I take it here? My in my next internship." Uh-huh. Like, Absolutely. So you have to do you have to set it up that way, like send HQ an email, like, "Hey, I'm gonna intern at you know." Yeah, you have to communicate everything to them. They mm-hmm. have to approve everything. Okay. And, and so, then you buy your plane ticket and then you go. Yep, your plane okay. ticket, your hotel, whatever it is that you need. Got it. And then you go and you arrive and it's all prepared and planned. Mm. The, like. People, the level one seminar staff know your name. Mm-hmm. They know which intern it is. If it's your first one, your second one, your third one, your fourth one. Um, the flow master has a series of notes mm-hmm. from the prior level one you interned with everything you did well, everything you did wrong, and the things you're working on. Okay. So there's a That's really a good system for them to be able to follow up on your progress. That's great. Yep. And the big thing they're looking for is that if this is your second, third, or fourth one, that you're getting better. Yeah. If you're improving after every seminar, mm-hmm. then you're going in the right direction. So what kind of things did they have you do, and what kind of things were they looking for in that process? So the first one um, is basically just helping out the team with whatever the team needs. Mm-hmm. So you know, running the whole two days, transitions for equipment, um, listening on all the lectures, taking notes, asking questions, taking the initiative to like, hey, you know, do you guys need help with anything? Mm-hmm. Um, the first one, you're usually following the flow master. Well, back then I was following the flow master. Nowadays, there's so many senior people on staff mm-hmm. that the flow master now sometimes assigns interns to other people on staff that have been doing this for a very long time. Wow. And they're like, hey, you're gonna shadow this guy or this lady. Mm-hmm. Um, but back then I was shadowing the flow masters um, every single time. 
Um, and so, yeah, you the Flowmaster will run the groups, everything. And then, you know, they talk to you and they, they get a feel for you. And, and so what they will do is like, hey, we're going to teach the air squat, front squat, overhead squat. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to teach the air squat. And what I want you to do is walk around the circle, see and correct faults, short actionable cues. Mm-hmm. And he's in tune with what he's doing with the participants. That's a priority. Mm-hmm. But he's also, or she is also so good, they can also tell if you're able to quickly see and correct faults, right. short actionable cues. Right. And then they actually said, you're going to teach the front squat. Uh-huh. So once I'm done with the air squat and all the corrections, I'm going to say, all right, guys, Santi's going to come into the middle and teach us the front squat. And that's it. And that's your internship. And that's your internship. Wow. I mean, the whole, the whole thing, being on time for the coaches' meetings. Oh, that's huge. Everything yeah. is part of the internship. Yeah. But that's like your moment to either shine mm-hmm. or, or the moment they realize, okay, this person still needs to learn how to teach CrossFit. Right. And so you show, you, you teach, you show, and you take control of the group. You tell them when to go down, when to stand up, and how you run the group. Mm-hmm. And then he'll kind of like let you wrap it up. If he sees that maybe you might be taking long, they'll find a very subtle way of being like, all right, guys, we're going to go ahead and move on to the overhead squat. Mm-hmm. And then he would finish the overhead squat. And every internship, number two, number three, number four, they just expand upon that. Oh, cool. So by the time you're at the last internship, you're doing a whole series of movements. You're doing the air squat, front squat, overhead squat, bum, bum, bum. There's a lot more responsibility, a lot more movement. They expect you to progress every enter. That's so great. Yeah, it's super What great. an awesome, like, linear progression exactly. for that. That's great. Um, Excruciatingly nervous. Oh, for it's sure. Like, you're like, <laughs> all these participants. Those professionals, like, yeah, they're the level. The coaches of the coaches. Yes. This is the way CrossFit does it. Yeah, huh? Like, you know. And like the CrossFit like, standard yes. of those of those seminars is and the like, last time I got exposed to that was at my level one a couple yeah. years ago yeah you know it had been so I had taken my level one in 2011 I started my internship in 2014 holy cow so I was like man am I doing this right I don't know I've been doing it across that's the really Brooklyn. cool I have to say it's really cool that you had such a profound experience in your level one that it made you want to lead them because my level one, my first, I've done level one, my level one twice, as you know, because you were at my second one. Because yeah. um, I let my first one expire. And um, yeah, my first one was good, but it didn't, I didn't come away feeling like, like in awe or inspired or anything. And I don't know if it, like, looking at the one I took with you, I thought it was so vastly different then what was it seven eight years ago when I took my first one like the energy just wasn't at my first one it was a huge group it was a massive group at I am CrossFit and Jarrell um people have flown in from all over to take this which was really really dope and the information was cool and the workouts were great they were still doing Fran back then yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, I got to do Fred at my level one so I yeah you did yeah yeah because you did it in 2011 11, yep. yeah when did they take it out do you know I don't remember exactly when they switched it, but a couple of accidents with people coming off the pull-up bars. Yeah, I mean, it's just... Yeah. It's not worth People it. get too amped. It's their level one. Yeah. Although, flying. although the 2115 night of thrusters and burpees is pretty gnarly. It's gnarly. Like, oh, so nice. And it's burpees over the bar, right? Lateral burpees? I think that's how we did it in mine. It, 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 can, was it, it depends. It depends on the space and the flow master. Uh-huh. But usually it's just burpees. Okay. I thought we did ours over the bar, but I don't remember. Yeah. Anyways... 
Um, but yeah, I was actually blown away by the second one. I was like left feeling like kind of like how you ex- described it. I'm like, I kind of want to do this. Yeah. There's no way I'd put that request out into the universe at all because I have so much, you know, red tea to yoga and right, everything right. I'm doing. There's no way I could make that fit in my life. But um, yeah, I came away with that feeling. What was the girl's name who led that? What was her name? With your seminar? Yeah. I want to say that was uh, Denise Thomas from was Boston. It? Was she from Boston or was she British? Yeah, she's British. But she oh, but, but she lives in Boston. Yep. Oh, okay. Denise got Thomas. It, got it. Yeah, she she's was at a, awesome. She's at a CrossFit One Nation Okay. with Austin Maliolo and company up there. Okay, got so it. At the time, it was, you know, James Hobart, Austin Maliolo. And Jason There's, Ackerman was on, was that his name? Jason Ackerman. Yeah. He's out of Naples. Yep. He's our neighbor. Yep. We follow each other on Instagram. What up, Jason? Yeah. He's a really <laughs> cool dude. He's a dude I've worked with the most on yeah, some of He stuff. came to Wadapalooza and we were walking off the stage off, off of the final event. He was like there on the fence, like giving a high five. I was like, what's, what's up? up? Yeah. Um, yeah. I was so blown away by the experience. It was like the energy of those guys of all of you guys and how um just how fun they made it and I was not looking forward to it I was looking forward to seeing you there but I remember not like I remember going into it thinking like okay I'm just gonna go through the motions and just yeah just go through the process yeah I'm like okay let's get this over and done with right but like once like she opened her mouth and started talking like, you're a really cool human being. Yeah. And then, you know, you're there. Obviously, you're cool because you're on my podcast. <laughs> Jason was there. I got to know Jason. It was just, oh, my God. The experience was so wonderful. And That's I, awesome to hear. And I didn't have that experience on my first one. You know, what that speaks to is the, the CrossFit mentality and and this comes up from up above from you know glassman and company and mm-hmm. hq is to always be evolving yeah always be moving forward and seminar staff undergoes so many changes year after year mm-hmm. improvements we have like an instructor manual yeah that we use as our guide to prepare for these seminars that instructor manual gets updated for us by the people up above, like the really, really big OGs, like mm-hmm. Chuck and Adrian Bosman and Dave and Nicole, uh-huh. it gets updated two, three times a year. That's good. And and that's what that speaks to, you know? Right. That's what I noticed, like, because um, there was a time, like when I was working at Seoul, and uh, at the time when I was working at the yoga studio Bala Vinyasa, which was a Baptiste affiliate, which is of this same model as a CrossFit affiliate model, um, there was a time when I felt like really proud to be working in Miami and I I felt at the two best institutions for CrossFit and for yoga and one thing I noticed about both of those businesses and especially Seoul because Seoul is obviously still around Bala Vinyasa is not um but what strikes me from Seoul is that they kind of have that same like thing at that gym and that's definitely something I'm going to be taking into my studio when it opens is like they're so willing to make changes and so willing to look at what they've been doing, be like, okay, that worked then, but it's not going to work now. And we got to make changes like on the fly. And like, and everyone's just so willing to be malleable and just roll with it and trust it. And that's one thing that like, I find really inspiring, especially as a business owner whose business is about to expand a lot, um, in the next year. Um, so it's great to hear that, especially with like where CrossFit's headed, all the changes that have been taking place this last year, 
Yeah. It's been crazy. Like, we're about to do another open, and we just did I one know, a few so months ago. But um, internally, at, you know, CrossFit HQ, CrossFit seminar staff, CrossFit game staff, mm-hmm. like, changes have always been a part of it. Yeah, you have to. You know, and so internally, yeah, does it shake people up? Are some of the changes sometimes unwelcome? Mm-hmm. Of course. You know, it's never perfect. It never right. will be perfect. And it's never about making some people happier than other people's. Mm-hmm. It's always about, like, this greater vision and how do we adjust? How do we adjust? And how do we adjust? Yeah. Like, what's best for yep. CrossFit? And, and CrossFit is, isn't just a name. It's the people It's ebbs and flows, up. right? Yeah. It's ups and downs. Exactly. And so it's a company that is, culture has always been based on change mm-hmm. and evolution. So when people freak out a lot, it's like, okay, dude. And you can see that in the workouts. That's how life is, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you can see that in the workouts, too. Like, how much they've changed since the first open. Yep. Like, it was so much barbell stuff in the early days, and now you see a lot more dumbbells. Yep. Which, like, it's just so cool to see, like, the workouts evolve, and the movements evolve, and, like, and even having participated in two very different level ones, to see even how that progressed and That's changed. Awesome. That's such a cool story. Yeah, that was, like, because, like, my first one, I was almost, like, a little bored. Right. And I was also just coming off of my exercise physiology degree at UM, mm-hmm. so I was kind of exercise scienced out. Right. Like, I was kind of yeah, over like it. brain fried. <laughs> it kind of was. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's one thing I really love about CrossFit in and of itself. So, um, you now own Riptide CrossFit. Mm-hmm. How did that come about for you? So, I guess I'll start the story with one of my closest friends ever, if not my best friend. Him and I actually took our first CrossFit class ever before going to Gables mm-hmm. at Rip Fitness Center in Doral. Okay. Which used to be CrossFit Miami. Okay. Marcio Pisanelli. He opened up, I want to say, one of the first three affiliates in Miami. Uh-huh. And that Doral. was CrossFit Miami or? CrossFit Miami or his old original affiliate name, I can't recall right now. But okay. he's now Rip Fitness Center. Okay, got and it. he's still an affiliate. Okay. As far as I know. But anyways, we knew Marcio through the Capoeira world. Okay. My, Did you do that too? Yes. Before CrossFit, at some point in my life, off and on for about three years, I practiced Capoeira, Brazilian martial arts. That's such a fascinating practice. Oh, it's so cool. Practice the music, the culture, Just, the movements. Oh my God, the movements blow my mind. Yeah. I don't I never know was how... good like that, but I was learning and I loved it. And in Miami, Marcio was our Capoeira instructor because mm-hmm. we used to do it in Texas. Mm-hmm. We moved to Miami, that second move. We were doing Capoeira in Miami with him and he found CrossFit. And he said, I'm going to do Capoeira Studio mm-hmm. and I'm going to get two warehouses that share a wall, two bay doors next to each other. And in this other one, I'm going to teach CrossFit. Wow. So we went to his gym and actually the workout there was filthy 50. <laughs> Nuts. Do you, do you remember the movements for filthy 50? I don't remember all of them. No. How many movements is it? I think it's 10 movements. And it's 50 of each movement. 50 of each movement. Sumo deadlift high pull is one. You right? got like barbell presses, kettlebell swings, double unders, burpees, box jumps, jumping pull-ups uh-huh. like the rx is a jumping pull-up. yeah i remember that um good mornings i want to say man there's just so many movements I, I did, we did it a couple times at gables yeah, yeah I for remember. sure but that's a, that's i just haven't done it in a while so i don't remember the movements mm-hmm. but long story short uh-huh. um 
that buddy of mine did not start CrossFit the way I started at Gables. Mm. He actually waited for a while and he did his own thing and he did not like whatever. He ended up coming to Fort Lauderdale and starting another business with another person. Mm-hmm. And then maybe like, I want to say 2013, I had been doing CrossFit for about two years. Mm-hmm. He decided he wanted to start CrossFit formally and him and his business partner at the time that had other projects going on decided they would open a gym. Okay. And they opened Riptide CrossFit in late 2013. Okay. I want to say November 2013. And that's when he started doing CrossFit. Mm-hmm. And so in 2014, when I decided to come back from Columbia, I went to coach with him at Riptide. Okay. He had another business partner. They both were owning and operating the gym. I came back from Columbia to Fort Lauderdale and coached there for about a year before I went back to Miami. Um, and then them two, uh, 2017 rolls around, they decide to split ways as business partners. And so my buddy contacted me and asked me if I wanted to, you know, maybe partner up with him or buy the gym. Long story short, he sold me the gym in 2017. Interesting. So I bought Riptide CrossFit in June of 2017. That's awesome. Yeah. And here you are more than three years later. Two and a half. Two and a half? Is that math right? June of 2019 was two. Wait, 2017. Oh, yeah, it is two years. Okay, yeah. yeah. Math is not. Two years. This is why I teach fitness. <laughs> And not math. Not math, right? <laughs> Same here. Wow, that's awesome. Because you were coaching at Wynwood at the time, right? right. Cross and Vito Brickle and Wynwood. Oh, you were at both of those. Oh, I didn't know that. I was coaching at multiple gyms. I uh-huh. coached at over eight different affiliates. Okay. what, Like all at once or over the at, course of years? Over the course of years. At right. the same time, I coached at one point at three three gyms. Uh-huh. At one point, I was coaching CrossFit Vita Brickle, uh-huh. CrossFit Winwood, and CrossFit Lux. Did you ever go oh, there? Oh, I remember With Lux. Ish. I was there for their um, grand opening. With Ish and yeah. Orlando Trejo and Luis Rosario. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. I was there for the grand opening. And that, but I was so committed at Seoul, I couldn't. All right, hi guys, sorry about that. We had a little bit of a technical issue on our end. So um, we're back on on the air, and um, I actually have a question for you because um, I love hearing where you were um, coaching at a ton of different locations, which I'm sure had to kind of been sort of crazy for you. Yes. (laughs) Driving all over the place, which is exactly what my life is now. And where I'm at in my professional career, like with opening the yoga studio, I see myself following that same path. So for anyone who might be listening who might like, you know, anyone like me or anyone like who you used to be, who might be working, working in the fitness field, working in a ton of different places, which was really common for all sorts of instructors of any background, right. um, to moving into having one place and one dedicated like place to call your own in, in this, in our cases, owning it under your name. What is that transition like? What is that experience like for you like the good the bad the pros the cons yeah so it was i guess i'll start with the pros the best thing about like okay now i have my gym Mm -hmm. and i don't have to worry about anyone else's gym the best thing about that is being able to focus on one thing yeah um 
the really the the mental space now, the energy that I have from you know mindset to just coaching CrossFit to to like my own personal finances and income is now all in that like in one place. Mm-hmm. And so the pro to that is like this like big sigh of relief because prior to that, at least as a CrossFit coach, my stability, my future, my income, my entire profession dependent on other gym owners. Mm-hmm. And as we both know, yeah. <laughs> gym owners in the Miami CrossFit community haven't been the brightest and the greatest. Right. Right. Unfortunately. That's just in human nature too, I feel. It, you know? One, being an entrepreneur is very, very difficult. Right. But I think there's like a, statistics to prove this that in Miami we've had probably the largest amount of affiliates mm-hmm. at one point. Right. We were like at 114 on CrossFit.com. Holy cow. Just in the Miami, is that Miami or Miami date only. Holy Miami did only 114 affiliates. That's so many. And within two years, down to like 60-something. Wow, slashed. So think about, that's a reflection of gym owners. Yeah. The people who decided to start and close and that entire like cycle. Right. Like why they opened the gym in the first place. Like why? Right. You know, their wives were probably off to begin with. Right. Two, the way they ran things were probably off to begin with. Mm-hmm. And three, they probably took too long to even close their gym, right? Right. So imagine CrossFit coaches in Miami. I mean, that was me. I was right. like at three different locations because one location couldn't afford me to pay what I wanted. They couldn't right. give me the amount of classes that I wanted, that I needed. And I was convinced since back since 2011 that I am only going to be a CrossFit coach and eventually own my own CrossFit gym. I don't want a part-time job doing other stuff that doesn't make me happy or fulfill me. Right. So I was just trying to make ends meet just strictly coaching CrossFit. Really mm-hmm. hard. Personal training here and there. You know, trying to find PT clients from each different location. Just a nightmare. Yeah. That's exactly my life right now. And, and, the, and throw in yoga studios in there for me too. Yeah. So <laughs> and the biggest fear about the whole thing is that you're relying on this one gym owner. Yep. And you know what? The gym owners aren't necessarily... The Greg Lassmans, the Dave Castros, the right. you know maybe the Michael Suna, the Guido Trinidad, yeah, know, the resilient the Danny from yep. Seoul. That okay, I didn't have those guys, you know. I had them at one point, but at one point I didn't. Right. I mean, the same thing with the yoga studio that I was dedicated to for seven years, six years of my life. You know, like we all just showed up one day and they closed. And like, and we kind of, yeah, and we kind of, I need to pay rent, right? Exactly. And I had so many classes on the schedule and my pay rate was really good. And I was leading teacher trainings and all of a sudden that's gone. And like, I'm having a hard time even, I'm still trying to fill in those holes, Absolutely. you know, like, and I also took a big pause. Like when that studio closed, all the teachers went and grabbed up all the classes in the area, the other studios and I launched right into trying to open my own studio and didn't do that. So I'm like, oh, crap. Like, then the studio didn't happen yeah. in the timeline I wanted or expected or needed. Oh. And I'm like, okay, shit. I have a lot of holes in my schedule that used to make me money. And now I need to fill those holes. Yeah. So, yeah, it's really tough. Like, it can be tough working in the fitness yeah, field. It's tough when you don't have control of yeah. your situation. Exactly. Your situation is in somebody else's hands. Yeah. Right? And it's a very volatile business. You know Mm -hmm. that. Oh, very much. So the best thing about finally having my own business was, okay, now I have control. Uh I have control of my future. And how great is it to be in one spot and not four? (laughs) So awesome. The other big pro there is now that the clients 
now the clients are your clients, mm-hmm. you know you can now dedicate your focus and your energy on building those relationships yes. with just them versus clients in South Miami, clients in Brickles, clients that I don't see, but two, three times a week for one hour here and there right. that are amazing people. I get to high five, I get to teach them how to squat, but then mm-hmm. I don't see you again. And it's just, now I'm going to see the same people over and over. I'm going to have to, I you get, get to, to nurture that relationship. family and nurture yeah. a relationship. And that's what we're in, the, you know, like not to, you know, be cliche, but we're in the relationship business like Bergeron. So sense. much. So yeah. I, I actually used to talk about this when I did my internship at UM with the, um, with the strength coach. Cause I originally wanted to be an NCAA coach. And, um, and so I did my internship with the, with coach Swayze at UM mm-hmm. working with football. And, um, that was a big thing that him and I would talk about was like, we don't really coach bodies. We coach minds and like, it's getting the players to believe in themselves and also to nurture that relation. The coach athlete relationship is so much of what this job is. It has nothing to do with money. It has nothing to do with heart rate. It has nothing really speed power. Yeah. None of those things actually matter. They're just like, I view them as tools to get to connect with someone new. That's, that's my point of view with it. Is yeah. they're just delivery system. It's just the way it is, you know? And it, we as human beings are, are an emotional being. Mm-hmm. And we respond emotionally and psychologically. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not in a primitive state of mind where, like, I need to eat and then I can figure out what I'm going to do. With, you know, this is not... Yeah. I need to be faster and then I can survive. We don't live in those times anymore. Right. So, yeah, definitely relationship business. So, those were the pros the two biggest pros, obviously, there's a lot more pros to Leo. Finally, uh-huh. having my own space and own facility. But the two biggest ones was like, okay, now I have control over my future. Mm-hmm. You know, whether this fails or whether this provides food for my family or not is on me. Mm-hmm. And two, I get to now dedicate myself to building my own family, my own clients, my own culture, and building these relationships. Some of the cons were that in the beginning, mm-hmm. now I have less money actually. Yeah. Paychecks are actually smaller. Yeah. Um, first two months, I actually went, you know, the gym was under. Right. And so I had to come out from personal money to be able to keep the gym alive for the first couple of months. Mm-hmm. And that's the one biggest con. Two, you know, it's a pro and a con at the same time that the future now depends solely on me. <laughs> yes. And not like a board of executives or a big corporation. Right. It's going to give me benefits and it's going <laughs> to give me all this stuff. And they're the ones in charge of getting the clients and generating the business. And I just got to do some role or position yep. for the company no now everything falls on me yeah so the sense of like seriousness and responsibility is heightened a hundred times right like oh shit you know now there's nothing moves unless i move yes yeah so Absolutely. that was like not necessarily a con it's just a really big like okay that's it just eye-opening eye-opening and right. like it, it's intense and it's like you know if anything is going to shock you into action it's going to be that yeah and i i feel like i encounter that feeling like daily <laughs> maybe once an hour <laughs> like oh shit what have i missed to do for reggie to yoga today that i need to do if i want to move everything forward right you know whether it's an e-newsletter or a post on instagram or calling texting or emailing yep. whoever i need to I still, you know, I I think that feeling from an entrepreneurship perspective, Mm -hmm. if you're going to, if you have the desire Mm -hmm. to grow in any way, grow psychologically, physically as an entrepreneur, grow your business, grow financially, grow your clientele, improve the quality of your services. I think it's a feeling we're going to always have. Yeah. Like, oh my God, am I doing it right? You know, 
and I think the feeling starts to get suppressed for lack of better words or the feeling starts to like stabilize yeah after many years and proven success mm-hmm. and and the things that you find you measure success with right and right? especially so finally in the my, face of like the adversity in the face of obstacles yeah like, finally like you things. know somebody else is helping me manage the gym yeah finally i'm not the one who has to respond to every single phone call every email how long did that take you how long have you had Riptide? I've had Riptide since June 2017. And I feel like you finally got... Because now I communicate to someone else about yoga. We just got an administrative yeah. girl. Yeah, Rachel is her name? Rachel, Rachel, yeah. she's really great. It's been awesome. That happened four months ago. And how four months much ago. of a relief was that for you? At first it was scary. <laughs> yes. Like, Man, more payroll expenses? <laughs> yeah. That is not what I want. <laughs> but I had, a four, I had a business coach for a while. Uh-huh. And he coached me through that process. Nice. And that was just amazing. And I, and I trusted him. And I took it, you know, I, I trusted him. And, and I had the conversations I needed to have with Rachel. And I was very transparent mm-hmm. with the situation of having an administrative person for a CrossFit affiliate. It's not like a 24-7 position. It's a very unique situation uh-huh. that the individual also needs to be in for it to work out. Right. She was like working at another gym. I'm like, you got to come work out with us. You got to yeah. be part of the gym, you know, and, and the work is not 24 seven. It's like constant communication. I need help with this, this, this. And it's been amazing. That's the awesome. biggest and best thing that she's doing right now is we're creating a, what we, we, we learned an idea from her. I learned of an idea from Ben Bergeron's immersion course, Mm -hmm. which is creating an AOS, Affiliate Operating System. Nice. And what it is, is essentially a manual on how to run the business. Every aspect. That sounds great. Every single aspect. You're doing doing this? She's helping me do this. Oh, that's awesome. And so basically what I already had before her, and I rolled this out about a year ago, is a coach's manual. Okay. How to coach. Yeah. Every, every, every gym should have that. Every, every gym should have one. I created yeah. my own. We do ours in our yoga teacher training. Like yeah. You get a hundred and... Actually, my yoga for athletes manual is 152 pages, and that's a weekend cert. Jeez. And so... The, Mine the too, like Mickey Mouse. Yeah. I'm on version 1.0. I'm like at 20 pages, and my coaches, when I rolled it out, were like... Pfft. Their eyes were like... Well, most of the pages are, are poses. It's oh, okay, the sequence. Okay. So mo- uh, okay, the, the bulk you. of it is poses and variations of them. And um, and then the 200-hour power yoga teacher training manual is going to be longer than that. Because it's going to have a lot more. Like It's going to have more right. like yoga history. And, like How to teach yoga. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, the coach's manual is not how to teach CrossFit. Right. The coach's manual is how to be a successful coach. Or the standards, expectations, mm-hmm. and procedures in white and black. Exactly how I want yeah. Riptide to be ran. Yeah. From a coach's perspective. So what I did is I gave her that coach's manual mm-hmm. and I told her we need another manual for all the administrative stuff of the gym. Mm-hmm. Equivalent or probably even more in-depth and profound. Yeah. From membership billing to email to managing retail, managing email, managing anything and everything that has to do with the gym. Mm-hmm. So the affiliate operating system is going to have everything together and she's been working on that project for over a month now that's awesome and essentially anything that needs to be done for riptide she's in charge of testing the way it gets done Mm -hmm. so if somebody calls to ask about prices somebody emails she's in charge of implementing a system on responding Mm -hmm. trying to automate it yeah as best as possible through our website our auto response system etc etc 
And if she's not crazy in love with the efficiency, she's also in charge of creating a better procedure. Mm-hmm. We talk about it. She throws ideas at me. I'm like, hey, it's your project. Awesome. And so now the goal is we release an affiliate operating system to the point where it's like, okay, how does Riptide as a business run? And here's a manual. That's so awesome. if we wanted to sell it to an investor, make it a franchise, it's just a replica. There you system. go. That's awesome. Not that that's my goal, but at least now you're set up. If you change we're your moving mind. forward yeah. to like, hey, we want to go to a bigger location. We just take the manual with us. We know what to do. Yeah. Hey, it's we're there. gonna change whatever system. Okay. Hey, you know, and that's something that yeah, we're like gonna... seen, sold, changed location twice now. I think they've moved a total of three times, and I've been there for two of them. Um, to see that, and they have operating manuals and stuff there too. I don't think I've looked at one in years, but (laughs) I know that they exist, but it was pretty seamless with like, you know, how the gym operated to go from one office to the next. And it was, in my experience, maybe Hondo would have a very different (laughs) experience of this, but it seemed like it went really, really smoothly and they still pretty much do... Their membership's the same as when I started years ago, and it works for them. Yeah. And then, like, we're constantly reviewing, like, because we have two new interns at Seoul, and we have a weekly, almost a weekly meeting, and, like, we're always going over again, like, okay, this is how you sign people up, make sure you have all this filled out, we're still doing, like, the paper ones, and now we've upgraded to, um, like, there's a an iPad by the front door to collect people's info who stop in to check the gym out, like, yeah. let us get in touch with you. When it's not during a class time, right? You know, because that's when everyone walks into your gym is during exactly. a class time. Um, but yeah, those are then those are all things that I kind of glean from like observing and participating um, for how Retita Yoga is going to run too when we open our doors. Awesome. Um, which yeah, like and I remember Bala Vinyasa had they had they opened their doors with a manual for the front desk. And that changed over the years. Mm-hmm. Like whoever was running the front desk, whoever was front desk manager, they would go in and edit things and change things. Absolutely. Because you, know, you have to. Um, that's how it works. Evolution. It is. Yeah. Choose to evolve. That's our, our little motto at Red Chita Yoga. Yeah. Um, so what we were talking about something that I completely forgot about. Um, when we had our little break after that little technological malfunction, you had started a really dope networking like club yeah like that was three cool. years ago four yeah that something was... along those lines three four years ago okay what inspired that and can you explain it a little bit for our listeners who have no idea what i'm talking about yeah of course um so basically i started a networking group mm-hmm. and all we did was meet to network ideas and essentially you know stimulate our creativity Mm-hmm. and energy uh, just get the brain flowing for like opportunities for business development of business ideas and creativity and you specifically chose people who are only crossfitters no oh I thought that was like there were some non-crossfitters oh there were so yeah. who were the people who you were inviting into that space it was such a uh, the energy of those you meetings just hit one of so my good. biggest flaws in life which is memory <laughs> <laughs> I forget everything, um, but I it did invite a lot of CrossFitters, but uh-huh. not as a CrossFitter. For example, uh, Jose Otero uh-huh. from CrossFit Vita Brickle, yes, um, or ex CrossFit Vita Brickle, rest in peace. Yeah, does not R. exist R. anymore. <laughs> he was he is a, a 
software slash website developer. Mm -hmm. He did ours for the gym. Um, but back then, I just thought that what he did for other affiliates was super cool. So I brought him in and he represented himself and his company. What did he do for other affiliates? So website development. Oh just, oh, just website developing? Oh, website awesome. development for fitness studios, gyms, and he does it for other types of companies too, not just CrossFit. Oh, that's great. Yeah, so he's super cool. So I brought him in from that perspective. Francisco, mm -hmm. that used to coach at CrossFit Vita Brigo, he's a hedge fund manager. Mm -hmm. He's like a, a big hotshot dude in the world of finances and hedge funds. Remember, I think it was Francisco who was always trying to like, like time out his reps to get the best time. Oh, right. Do you, you know what yes, I'm talking about? He's like, well, in order to get this time, He's I a have to do guy. He's yeah. a numbers guy. It Everything's was, an algorithm for It him. was actually fascinating to listen to him. He's so like, fascinating. I learned so much. <laughs> the law of diminishing return applied to fitness. Yeah, for sure. He was the guy who best explained it to me. Uh -huh. One of the reasons he was such a good coach is because he knew how to explain elaborate, fancy concepts in simple terms. Yeah. So... When, you know, obviously he's a giant. He's yes. like 10 feet tall. I'm like 2 <laughs> feet tall, right? Exactly. And so we would have these discussions of why I should beat him in some workouts. He should beat me in some workouts. Uh -huh. And at first I was like, oh, I don't know. And then he was like, well, if you don't know, don't worry. He would pull out a marker or whiteboard <laughs> and mathematically explain why there was no logic behind I would win in this workout. He would win in that workout. So awesome. He was so great. And I remember, like, some of the other coaches at Gables would give him shit for that. Like, no, nah, dude, you just got to go. He's like, no, you have to approach it with a plan and know how many reps you're going to do and how much time yeah. to get such and, and such like, time I'm result. like 6'7", 250 pounds. <laughs> I got to calculate my height and my body weight yes. for these freaking burpees. That when Santi does five, I can barely do one. <laughs> right. Oh, There's my God. Reason for that. I'm like, but Francisco, you're so much bigger. You can lift the entire world. Yeah. Nope. There's a law of diminishing return on how much I can lift. Let me explain. Oh, he was fascinating. So awesome. I loved his mind. Um, so, sorry. Really totally guy. interrupted what you were saying. We were on the networking group. So, he yep. was part of the networking group. Um, there was, obviously, the founders mm -hmm. of the Spot Barbershop. Two mm -hmm. of them. They were Shout out to the there. spot. Yep. Uh, we had another guy who was a client at CrossFit Vita Brickle who was one of the f financial managers slash investors in a spot barbershop. Mm -hmm. And he was just, people like him and Francisco are always like brilliant minds looking for investment opportunities. Yep. Um, who else? Man, we just brought there different people, so many people from different walks of life. You obviously uh -huh. were there with, you know, representing Red Chica Yoga. Yep. Um, I think you had specifically wanted business owners in that group didn't there was you had something because i did, was talking to someone and they're like oh get me in there too i'm like let me ask santi and like you're like no it has to be people who do x y and z and some of the parameters i had was had to do with more like the connection yeah that we had with each other yeah um i mean i, I think the person was probably not a good fit i don't remember who it I was anymore i mean i think nowadays i may Probably, but I feel like I it also that was the right thing to do. I'll but I also that. think it kind of preserved like the sanctity of what that group was and how uh -huh. cool it was and like hearing what people were doing. And it was seven a.m. on Tuesdays. Am I right? Yeah, some crazy time because like it was. When awesome. do people do it? You know? Yeah, it wow. was so cool. Logistically, it's such a nightmare. It, to yo, get people to sure. agree to a day and a time to meet anywhere, and I unless think it's drinking perfect. and eating, it's yes. like. <laughs> Unless there's drinking and eating involved, you ask people to meet for anything, and it's such a mission. My kids, my work, my job, my commute, traffic, yep. Miami's a pain, the business starts at this time, whatever. Yep. 
So yeah, it was like an early morning thing. I thought that was such a great event. So I shared that similar idea with Danny, Michael Suna, and I said, would you be interested in gym owners uh-huh. networking group kind of sort of thing? Right. And I've gotten good feedback. That's why I'm suggesting you yeah. start something like that. We should do it. Mm. I'll do it. Especially once the studio opens, it'd be cool to host it at the studio. Exactly. I am. I'm in Fort Lauderdale now, so to get people to come up here. Yeah, but I could get you to come down to me. Yeah, that's way easier to get one person to go down yeah, there. Exactly. Exactly. Here. Let me get this studio open, and you know we'll figure things out. Um, but yeah, that was a really dope event. And when you told me about that, I'm like, yeah, Santi's going places. Like, and I think this was even before. Like, I think I were you teaching the seminars then. Yes. Yeah, yes, you were doing that, and I don't think Riptide was... No, Riptide wasn't... No, Riptide was not open. Yeah, because you were still down there. Vita Brickle, CrossFit uh-huh. Winwood. Yeah. I was yeah, because yeah, you stopped doing it when you moved to Fort Lauderdale, because you couldn't sustain it yeah. moving up here. Um, there's another thing I wanted to talk to you about um, that I find absolutely fascinating about your life, and to me, it just speaks volumes to like who you are as an individual. Um, you chose to adopt a really young baby yeah a couple years ago now mm-hmm. three years ago yeah um and i remember when you told me you told me you were getting into like foster care that's how it started right Correct. and i remember thinking like maybe i was being a little judgy back then but i'm like this dude's insane <laughs> well yes like, it does take an element of that like i'll blame louisa for that one for the insanity no i'm kidding so yeah can you talk about and by the way congratulations on your engagement thank you very much that's so amazing so can you talk a little bit about what inspired that move in your life because that's a really big thing to consciously choose to um, foster a kid and then a baby yeah, and sure. then adopt. It wasn't a conscious choice that I want to foster. That's not the, how the conversation began. The conversation okay. began between Luisa and I driving somewhere probably in Miami, stuck in traffic somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, man, you know, I wish I need to make more time as a person to like do more stuff for community purposes and I use the word, I'm using the word community loosely right now uh-huh. but what I really wanted and I still desire this and I don't do enough of it is just giving back yeah time resources energy you know probably time being the only non-renewable resources yeah is what I wanted to give back and and I said to Lisa you know I feel like CrossFit fulfills me in a certain aspect where I help and I impact people's lives in a positive way mm-hmm. but I'm still getting paid for it I'd like to explore opportunities to volunteer and go serve food at a homeless shelter. And, and you know, the homeless shelter thing is something I want to do, mm-hmm. but I feel like there's so many people that do that already. Right. I, I, I'd like to think of ways of contributing in a way that doesn't happen often. Right. And so she just started kind of talking with me, and then that conversation led to, hey, have you ever thought about fostering? She, she, she had the idea to foster? Yes. She already had that idea since she was very young, mm-hmm. but we had never really liked it had never materialized in her life. We hadn't really spoken of that. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, well, I know the foster system exists, but I know nothing of that. Right. What's that like? And so that conversation led to another conversation, then led to her doing some online research. And locally in Miami-Dade County, if you are in Miami, if you want to foster for the state of Florida, you have to actually take this course mm-hmm. that's uh, established by the state of Florida. And this organization leads the course. She's like, hey, the course is free. Mm-hmm. 
why don't we just sign up for it? It's once a week, two hours. We can do Monday nights, Wednesday nights. You know, they give you like options for schedule. And that course is gonna teach us everything about the foster system. Mm -hmm. And it's how you get like your home licensed to become a foster home. She's like, we don't have to decide right now, but at least we have all the education information before we make a decision. Mm -hmm. So she's like, I'm like, oh, that's not a bad idea. You know, get educated before get, make an informed decision. Right. Before I turn down, why would I say no to fostering if right. I know nothing about it? Right. Have you always had, like, a desire to work with kids or, like, nope. or have children or anything like that? Kid, yeah. Having kids, yes, but never, like, a big deal. I'm like, I'm obsessed. Oh, I need to have kids. Right. Working with children, yeah, it's nice. I had a, I ran a kids program at CrossFit Winwood for some mm -hmm. time. Loved it. Mm -hmm. um, but it wasn't like a particular thing. Like kids were like the thing yeah. that was attracting me. Okay. Um, the thing that was attracting me was just contributing like my time back in a way where I wasn't paid for it. Uh -huh. And so I'm like, okay, I'll be open to the idea. So we started the foster course. One week led to the next. Homework after homework. Process after process. Lisa got into it super hard. And before you knew it, we were licensed. Wow. How long is that process? I think it was, was it a six week, eight week process? Okay. 10 weeks? 10 weeks at the most. Okay. Not that crazy. Once and a week. Once a week for two hour and classes they, once a week. The two hour class, you go in these evenings downtown Miami, and they're pretty much teaching you what the foster system looks like, works like, and they also kind of talk a lot about trauma. Yeah. And children of all ages that have experienced all kinds of trauma, mm -hmm. abuse, and neglect, rape, et cetera, et cetera all the nasty and ugly stuff that kids go through, mm -hmm. why they get separated from their homes, how they get placed, and all the scary stories and, and like really bad scenarios that happen in foster homes. And they kind of scare you into either owning up to it, to how scary it is. Uh -huh. And so if you're not cut out for that, you can kind of quit early. Because um, you don't really know what you're going to get correct. if you get into that system. Because my, my um, stepmom works, I, actually she doesn't work there anymore, but for years she worked in a school that worked with foster kids. And, um, and she has her degree in psychology and she would come home with like, you know, it was a very stressful job. Because yeah. these kids, like, you know, they, they have behavioral stuff and so act much. out. And be, and it's not their fault. It's, like, what they were born into. Right. And it's so heartbreaking. And it's tragic. It yeah. is. And the system itself, the way it's funded and ran and operated by the state is broken and flawed in so many ways. Right. She, being an attorney, like, brilliant person, just kept pinpointing so many problems with it itself mm -hmm. and then at the same time the demand is so high and there's not enough people who are licensed foster homes wow. there's, so there's homeless kids everywhere no because there's not enough people that are willing to become a foster home right so it's tragic and sad and disappointing all at the same time and 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 then the other thing i learned is the state gives you a stipend uh -huh. four hundred dollars a month okay to supposedly... As per kid, right? Yeah. Yeah. So $400 a month with, you know, the lifestyle that many people live, it's not it's, enough. No. It's, it's barely your food. But then there's a lot of people that $400 actually goes a long way for them. Yeah. These people that have very little to no resources mm. actually sign up to become foster homes strictly for the money. Mm-hmm. So they want to get two, three, four, five kids. Oh, my God. So they get $400, they get $2,000 a month, and they provide the minimum. Oof. A roof, so you don't get rained on, uh -huh. and some junk food, and the rest, figure it out. Wow. Like, so there's, there's a lot of people fostering who probably shouldn't be fostering. Most people who are foster, licensed foster homes shouldn't be. 
Right, and that's that's where, why there's a lot of crisis within right. the foster system, and why kids go from home to drugs, home. violence, abuse. Yeah. Correct. Wow, my it's goodness. so sad. It's over four hundred dollars. I mean, yeah. are you kidding me? Right. But it's, again, it's a demographic that's struggling. Right. With the same problems that these kids' parents are struggling. Mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's an unfortunate, vicious cycle. Mm-hmm. So a couple like us, you know, Lisa's an attorney, and nothing fancy about me. I'm just a CrossFit coach, but. Right. You know, thankfully, we're making ends meet a little bit more than most of the people there. Right. And so we immediately, like, you know, the, the instructor is like, man, how many kids do you guys want? We're like, oh, one. <laughs> <laughs> Lisa was like, you sure you don't want two? I'm like, Lisa. If there was, like, a, like a sibling situation, what do you have You have to take that? both. Oh, you have to take both. Because the okay. goal for the state is to keep siblings together. Because I think sometimes I've heard They can't stories. be separated. Yeah. It's not the... Way they want to go. Right. I think it's like under worst case scenario. Yeah. Instead of being homeless, we'll send one here, one there. But with a plan to reunite them as quick as possible. Right. So one of the conversations Louisa and I had was like, okay, so how are we going to do this? What are we going to do? She's like, well, let's take little ones. Um, You know, and then I was like, let's start with one, Louisa, because, you know, Mm -hmm. like we're in it. We know nothing about parents, parenting. Right. Not parents. We don't have kids. I don't know anything about parenting. And, you know, let's just start with one and, and like, like a five-year-old, more or less. Right. And she was like, well, no, I think younger's better. It's easier. Uh-huh. And I'm like, I don't know, but, you know, she has a knack for kids. So uh-huh. I'm like, all right, I guess younger's better. And I'm like, well, what about a 10, 12, 15-year-old? Of course, I was thinking I could take him to the gym to gym yeah. workout, <laughs> make him a beast of an athlete, exactly. send him to the CrossFit Games. <laughs> CrossFit like, Games 2022, here yeah, we go. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> So that was my mentality, hysterical. It's so great. <laughs> but then, you know, they explain to you, and, and the instructor says that, guys, you need to be aware that you, if you get a teenager, there's going to be a 14-year-old kid who's six foot two, uh-huh. 200 pounds, uh-huh. violent and aggressive, Oof. and when you take him to your home, he's going to be like, F you, you're not my mom, you're not my dad, get the F out of my face, I'm out. Yeah. And they want to leave your house and be on the street. Mm-hmm. And the state will not allow you to allow that. Legally, you're not supposed to let them leave your house. Right. How do you confront that situation? Right. And so when I had a conversation with Luisa, I was like, look, I feel like I could handle that kind of stress. But we both have to be on the same page with that. And you got to be confident that if I'm working and you're at the house alone with the teenager exactly. you'll be able to handle that situation without that violence affecting you negatively you getting hurt yep. or the other guy she's like no no let's not mess with that I'm mm-hmm. like alright you know so and in we, my experience too with a lot of the stories that my stepmom will bring home from work like they're very good at manipulating as well yeah and so they can get weasel their way out of things and lie and like you know I've heard stories of like these kids like stealing stuff and selling it and like yeah yeah it's just a it's a lot it's, it's a, a lot. lot so teenagers unfortunately have it the hardest yeah so the little babies and so we did the little baby thing and that's when we got Ricky how old was he when you got him four weeks old and who were his parents his mom is the only one we met. Kiki is her nickname. Mm-hmm. She went by Kiki. Mm-hmm. And she gave birth to him. Unfortunately for her, she had a very tragic life. She was addicted to crack cocaine since the age of 13. I think in her... 13? Li- yeah. She was born into the same business cycle, right? Uh-huh. Wow. Um, and how old was she when she had him? Do you know? 36. Okay. That was her second one. Okay. Her first one had been adopted out. Okay. Same problems, mm-hmm. drug addiction. 
So she Wait, were the babies born addicted? Yes. Yeah. So the babies are born addicted. She she used she admitted to using crack cocaine during the entire pregnancy uh-huh. and day of delivery. Wow. Day of delivery she Day used? of delivery. The same day she gave birth to Ricky, she was using crack cocaine. Wow. Um so were there so she said in the problems? hospital and the hospital documented that. Okay. Were there Legally the hospitals huh? Were there did Ricky have health problems because of that? Um he has had some health problems, pulmonary, okay. which he currently doesn't have anymore, 100% healthy. Oh, amazing. Thank God and, and, and life for that. Um, we don't know 100% that the pulmonary respiratory issues he had were directly really? tied to the crack cocaine addiction. Right. But the research we saw and we found says that there is huge ties. Okay. But there's no like hard evidence to conclude that. What about like, his brain? Do you know anything about that? Or is it just lungs? So the only research we found at the time was that there could be potential brain development issues. Okay. And, but that the most common thing that science can conclude was a lot of irritation okay. and aggressive behavior. Okay. He's only a three-year-old. He can be very aggressive, <laughs> put in a playful way. Okay. Um, the only thing we've experienced with him is a speech delay. Okay. Which he's gotten speech therapy for. In the last three to six months, he's hit huge milestones with his spe- speech. Mm-hmm. So the he is technically, according to speech experts, he's about eight months to one year delayed in his speech relative okay. to other three-year-olds. Okay. But the positive side of it is that every month he is learning more and more, and his speech and his vocabulary is improving. So is he just not learning words? Is he not learning pronunciations? He is learning words. No, he's but learning what, everything. But what was it that he's was delayed? Just delayed. Like just speaking. His capacity to learn. Speech. Okay, got it. Got his it. capacity. His learning to talk isn't easy. Like as a toddler, like because um, I have a little brother who's sixteen years younger than me. Okay. So when he was a baby, it was actually fascinating to watch that process. And I took two and a half years of American Sign Language in high school. And I noticed that he would get frustrated because he knew what he would want to say or what he wanted. um, But he didn't have, like, because your your mouth and your tongue and your vocal cords all have to work together. Mm. And those are a lot of things to try to recruit. You know, it's like trying to learn to snatch when you're 37. You know, it's not easy. And we actually taught him sign language. And he was the easiest baby because he could come up and tell us what he wanted. He could say more. He could say apple. He could say all done. He would say thank you and please and sorry. So and like awesome. so many, his vocabulary was like awesome. So if he didn't know a word, I would ask him and he would be like, yes, no. And I'd teach him the sign and he'd run off and be happy. And like yeah. the communication Incredible. was so seamless. It was awesome. Such a good story. I wish I yes. wish a new sign language. But anyways, long story short. The only, he had a little bit of pulmonary and respiratory infections as a newborn. We went through that. Everything's good there. He has no health problems. Thank God. Everything's fine. His speech continues to improve like a normal child. That's awesome. It's just not up to the same level degree that he's supposed to, right. quote unquote, expect it to be at. Right, right. And that's kind of debatable within itself too. Right. But yes, other three-year-olds speak more. Mm-hmm. And have a more extensive vocabulary than he does. Okay. And that is probably tied because we don't, again, have enough evidence or conclusive research to say that it's because of the crack cocaine. Right. He was also born six weeks premature. Wow. There's a little bit there. Mm-hmm. Lisa says that's not too crazy, but you know, how I big, think everything's connected, right? How big was he when you got him? Like, how much did he weigh? Man, I don't know. He was a tiny little thing, five pounds. Wow. To be honest with you, those, that's, I guess, maternal things that. 
mom's room. <laughs> Dad's forget. I don't know. Um, so, I don't remember that. I just hold, remember holding him and him being a tiny little thing. Aww. And now he's a little beast that wants to jump and climb on everything. And That's he's so great. The best, best human being on earth. <laughs> Cross the games in, what, 11, 12 years? Yeah, I, I love that. I love that. But honestly, I don't push it on. I do, you know, as much as I love sports and exercise, mm-hmm. you know, I want him to just see the example that we set yep. in our family and the way I do things. But obviously, as he grows up, I want him to try everything. Yeah, that's important. You know, he already does swimming. He did some gymnastics already. Where He's starting a t-ball, a little baseball for kids. That was my first Soccer is my first thing that I want him to do. Uh-huh. But I want him to try it all. Yeah. Come to the gym with me, do some burpees, run, whatever. And then as he grows up, I'll let him make his choice. Arts, music. Um, so I'm not too concerned or worried about... Obviously, it'd be super cool that he does sports and he ends up being good at them. But right. if he doesn't, I just want him to choose yeah. whatever makes his heart happy. That's actually one thing like that I can speak to from like my parents. Like They really took a step back and let me choose track and field. And like, and I moved down here to Florida to like pursue track at the University of Miami and like... Yo, you meet these crazy parents, which like blew my mind when I moved here. Like their kids had to win and like, they're just like frustrated former athletes. And I'm like, what? Like, it made me really grateful that my parents were like encouraging and supportive, but they never like really like forced me to have to do it. I did did all sorts of activities growing up and track was a thing that stuck and the thing that I fell in love with. And I just happened to be really good at it for until I just couldn't anymore. Right. But yeah, that's really it's really powerful to let kids choose. Like choices yeah. choices are our greatest power as a human. And every human being is its own world. Mm-hmm. You know, his heart, his mind is gonna be attracted to whatever his heart and mind desires. Right. And it's not for me to impose that on him. Uh-huh. He's gonna grow up and be his own guy. If he wants to be a violin player, a chess player, an engineer, a sci- I mean, whatever you want to do. All of the above. And Just do so it all. my goal is to facilitate <laughs> as many options, right? right? Give him as many experiences as possible. If he wants to travel, be a pilot, whatever. You want to be a janitor? Just try to be the best janitor in the world you want to be. Right. You know, that's all. That's the one thing that I do want to push onto him is that, dude, it doesn't matter what you choose. Mm-hmm. But when you choose something, strive to give your best effort. Yeah. Not necessarily the best in the world and compare yourself to other people. But just give the best you can give. Mm-hmm. So whether it's CrossFit, soccer, swimming, medicine, surf, be a beach bump, be the best beach bump. <laughs> you know, live it up, live the beach bump life to a point yes. that your mom and me are gonna be like, wow, we're jealous <laughs> of how good you're making you're the beach bump so life. So good here. at being a bum. You know what I mean? So. So what was that like bringing home a baby that's just like weeks old? Like, do you crazy? It was like. Your life is turned upside down instantly. For sure. Instantly. Literally, you're like, what do we do? Funny story. You know, we get the phone call from the state. Uh-huh. Hey, we have a child, four weeks old. Can you take him in? We don't know if it's going to be one night, two nights, a week, a month, a year. Holy cow. You don't, we don't know if it's going to be for the weekend. But right now, he's at another foster home where that lady has five foster kids. It's too much. Uh-huh. We need a better home for him in the meantime until we figure out his mom's case. Uh-huh. What does that mean? We don't know. We have a case manager. You're going to meet her and we'll handle everything. His birth mother's case. 
Correct. Was, was her intention to take Ricky back eventually, or was well, that There's never... no way of knowing. She was somebody who was struggling with drug addiction to right. the worst level. Right. Um, we think she was also prostituting herself. Okay. And we think he was a result of prostitution. Wow. Um, but we don't know any of those things. Right. So we had no clue. She showed up to two visits. Uh, you know, she wasn't like 100% all there as far as like super loving and expressing. She was loving, but she wasn't all like super expressive of her thoughts, intentions, feelings. Mm-hmm. She was supposed to show, show up to court and hearings to the judge. And sometimes she would, sometimes she wouldn't. Mm-hmm. To eventually, you know, she got killed in a car accident. So we had no idea. Right. We had no idea. Right. But our life was turned upside down. So, oh, so we get called, and so we're like, okay, so Lisa comes to the house. I had coached, I had opened that morning at CrossFit Vita Brickle, mm-hmm. and then I was going to work in the evening at CrossFit Wynwood, or whatever. I don't remember exactly, but it was a Friday. Mm-hmm. I think the evening I was off, but when I opened the gym at CrossFit Vita Brickle, I would take a nap after shift, because mm-hmm. I got up at four in the morning for that. Right. So I was napping, Lisa got home, and she's like, hey, we got a phone call for a child. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, and what's the story? You know, the mom was on crack cocaine the entire pregnancy. He's in a home, in Homestead right now. And they're asking us if we can pick him up and just have him for a few nights or we don't know how much. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, and what's going to happen? She's like, I don't know. And are we going to keep him? She's like, I don't know. And I'm like, okay. And, and what if he, you know, grows up and he ends up being sick, you know, having a lot of mental and health issues? Are you going to be okay with that? Mm-hmm. And she's like, yeah, I think we're going to be okay with that. And I'm like, I feel, I feel like I could take on anything. Right. But I need to know that you're okay with it. She's like, yeah, let's do it. I'm like, are you sure? And then I actually asked this question, do we have any reason why not to do it? Mm-hmm. And we thought about it, and she was like, no, not really. I'm like, all right. That's an important question. Let's, you know, let's, let's do it. We get dressed. Well, we call the lady back, and she's like, okay, let me call the foster mom that has him now. Okay, pickup is at 7 p.m. That was wow. like at, I don't know, 1, 1 p.m. So from 1 to 7 p.m., she, she's like, okay. All right, cool, let's get ready. All right, we're getting ready. Well, I gotta eat. Okay, why do you gotta eat? I'm like, because I'm hungry. She's like, we gotta go pick up this kid. I'm like, yeah, but that's not till seven. I'm like, you don't want me to eat? Right. Hysterical, right? right? I'm like, well, I need to eat to Instant be prepared. Chaos. Yeah, I need to be prepared with food in my stomach so I can handle whatever this situation brings. Right. That's my way of Right. Like, I'm kind of in the same vein as that. Yeah, and she's like, like I need to eat. To How can we think stable. of food when we're about to pick up a child? I'm like, well, because hunger is so around. I have a question about this whole thing. Did you have anything in your house to support a No, so, th- so the next story, she's like, wait, I think we need to buy like diapers or something. So she calls the state and the state is like, oh, we'll give you diapers. Like, okay, cool. So we're going to go to downtown, which was close to where we were living anyways, and pick up some basic supplies. Uh-huh. And then I don't know how it came up. I'm like, just text your sister. She has two kids. Uh-huh. What do we need to get? Right. So she texts her sister and texts like another one of her best friends that has two kids. And I'm like, text her and ask for the top 10 list of things we need for a newborn that's four weeks old. Uh-huh. We get the list and we're on our way to Walmart to get her. And her best friend replies and says, my kids are already like, her kids were like three and five. Uh-huh. She's like, I have all their newborn stuff still. Just come oh, pick great. it up. Oh, that's awesome. She's like, really? I'm like, yes. And I'm like, oh, awesome. So we drive to the Grove, go to her house, mm-hmm. and we load her car with all the baby stuff. Wow. Cars, oh, car seat. Oh, the, what yeah. What do do for the car seat? The, the in a stroller. Like, we'll provide a car seat. But did they? Yep. Yeah? I still have it. The original car seat That's I have it in awesome. my car. Yep. That's awesome. Provided a car seat. We're in downtown Miami. We're trying to put the car seat in, and then we fight because we don't know how to put it in. <laughs> no, this is how you do it. No, you don't know how to do it. Well, how do you know how to do it? It's terrible. 
So we finally get the car seat. We get all the baby supplies. We're driving to Homestead. I got to stop for food. Lisa's pissed because I got to get food. I get a slice of pizza. We're driving to Homestead. We go to this house. Oh, my God. Here comes this lady with five foster teenagers. Wow. And the little baby. Oh, man. Lisa holds the baby. I hold the baby. We get, he had like a Ziploc with like one blanket, one change of clothes, and one baby bottle. No way. That's what he had. That's it? That's everything he had to his name. Holy shit. And freaking incredible. We drive home. What do we do with this thing? How does it sleep? This thing. <laughs> you know, that's How me. How does it sleep? Luisa, I am very... Probably with its eyes closed. Yeah. But... <laughs> Fortunately for me, I am with a woman that just has a natural knack for kids. I mean, I think that's women awesome. naturally, you know, not to be sexist in any way. I just think, whatever, I, you know, God, the universe, mm-hmm. however, whoever was in charge of creating men and women yeah. gave women some intangible powers that men don't have. Right. And some of those intangible powers, I think, and I genuinely believe ours, women know how to be moms. Yeah. Men do not know how to be dads. <laughs> right. Men need to learn that as a skill. Right. We need to practice and be mindful and concentrate and focus. Right. And put our energy into what it takes to be a good dad. I don't think all mom, you know, and, and this might sound terrible, but I think women may have that easier than men. Yeah, you might have... Not in a bad something way. There. Yeah, but, but I feel Lisa like that ba- it also balances Lisa's never been a mom, and she immediately knew what to do, how to do it. Uh-huh. Like, just this maternal instinct kicked I, over. Like, Beautiful. every time I've been around newborns, I just... You just know. I, just, I, no, I don't know. Uh, I'm, like, the opposite. Like, I'm like, what does it do? <laughs> what do you do? Like, I, I feel like I, I don't really have a maternal instinct. I've never really wanted to be a mom. Yeah. And, like, it's just not... But I bet you that if you... For whatever reason, got if a baby it. ended up in my hands, I'd yes. probably figure it out. And chances are that a baby, like if that same situation happens to most men, you uh-huh. would still outperform them as a parent. Yeah, you're probably right. That's that's I mean, my was, feeling about. And women. I was really great with my little brother when he was a baby. Like so, and I I'm the like that kind of person who's always like I don't really like babies, but no, my my little brother was a baby. He was dope. Yeah. When, and if you were yeah. to get pregnant and just you know and, and you had your own, yeah, I think some maternal instinct would kick in and you'd freaking kill it. Oh, for sure. As a mom, I hope so. So Luisa, <laughs> just you know, obviously texting back and forth, you know. Communicating back and forth with her sister and her mom mm-hmm. and her friends that all have kids and just her own instincts and, and, and it slowly but surely, you know, started to like the sense of like having a baby and knowing how to care for him, you know, getting cribs, bottles and of course, we never had parents, mistakes yeah. still happen all the time. I don't think there's such thing as a perfect parent, but she's just been amazing. That's amazing. Yeah, what a cool amazing. story. Yeah. And, like, how little did you sleep in that first year of having Oh, him? team no sleep for the first few weeks. <laughs> uh, yeah. That was a very big cause of, like, problems and stress in our relationship. Uh-huh. Because now there's, like, apparently all these strategies yeah. that parents can take on to sleep train their babies. Okay. And Louisa decided that a lot of those strategies were not, like, what she wanted. Uh-huh. She's, no, I believe in loving and caring and picking them up and, mm-hmm. and holding them. And so, unfortunately, what that meant is that our baby, Ricky, did not learn how to self-soothe. Okay. And so, I continue to believe that parents should teach that to their babies. Uh-huh. She continues to be happy with the way she did it. We yeah. settled, obviously, for the way she wanted to do it. Uh-huh. Because women make the decisions when it comes to kids. <laughs> yes. I learned that the well, hard way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I tried to be like, look, here's a book. Look, here's another expert. Here's another 
early child development psychologist right. who says this, and she was like, whatever. No, I'm doing it my way. Right. And that's the way it works. Moms do whatever works for them. Yeah, that's very true. And so Rick is fine. We're fine. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the thing we lost was sleep. Yeah. For, you know, months. Mm-hmm. But now he sleeps through the night. And then how long did it take to uh, be able to adopt him? Because that process was like a so year. So that, that was just a back and forth between the case uh, managers, the state, and the mom. And the mom's condition, boom, boom, boom. So it's just ups and downs, ups and downs. Eventually the mom, again, she gets killed in a car accident. Unfortunate turn of events. And so the case manager then... The state has a responsibility, and they, I think it's like a legal obligation, that they need to try to find biological family. Okay. The state of Florida has some sort of laws in place uh-huh. that say that uh, in a situation like that, biological family has number one preference right. and priority over trying to place the child in a home. Okay. And so they try to reach out to all the biological family. The only connections... They were unemployed in New Jersey, struggling with their personal lives as well. Mm-hmm. Who knows if they were struggling with whatever they were struggling financially, psychologically. Right. But none of them were in a good place, um, apparently from what the case manager told us. Mm-hmm. Just bad signs. So that kept failing and failing. So it looked like it was moving forward to adoption. We were excited. We were like, okay, we're ready to apply. We're ready to apply. And then cousin from Texas came up and she's like, oh, you know, we're cousins and we want to adopt him mm-hmm. and so they both came and visited him and they were doing best off relative to all the other relatives uh-huh. and so the state was like okay well they're family and if they apply for the adoption that's where he's gonna go okay and so, so obviously Lisa was like heartbroken and right oh how long God. have you had him at that point at this point we're like i think 10 11 months in oh wow yeah so now it's like a super intense stressful situation because now we're in love with him yeah He's been with us for 11 months. At yeah. that point, when you have a newborn that amount of time, you are his parents. Right. He is your son. Wow. Because the bond is not a biological thing. Yeah. You know, blood connection is just blood. Yeah. There's this no emotional, psychological, psychological and, connection. Yeah, an emotional right? for sure. So we were convinced that the, you know, the biological connection means nothing relative to the emotional, psychological thing. Right. So we kept saying that, but obviously the state doesn't care. They've got to follow the law. Right. And so Luisa got a, an attorney, a placement, or I forgot what kind of attorney it is, but an attorney that this lawyer handles these types of cases. Mm-hmm. And somehow from calling to, to conversation to conversation with attorneys and experts in the field, Luisa hired an attorney, but Luisa was the one that found some clause somewhere in the law that says that only to a certain degree of uh, biological relationship uh-huh. do you get preference oh, and so and were they outside of that they were outside of it oh nice they were like a second cousin okay and it had to be a first i think it has to be like brother sister aunt uncle uh-huh. grandparent grandparent yeah you know i think outside of that i'm not i don't remember to what extent first cousins or second cousins uh-huh. but they were out wow so good and that so we go to this lawyer, hearing huh? that's the awesome. judge is on the phone they're in Houston, Texas, so uh-huh. the ju- they call in for the hearing because they weren't able to make this hearing. And our attorney stands up, reads the clause out to the judge, brings it up, you know, mm-hmm. to his information. He checks it, mm-hmm. and then he says to the phone, on the phone, to the, uh, did you hear what that means? And sh- Did you understand what that means? And the girl's like, uh, no, what does that mean? He goes, uh, it means that you no longer have preference over anyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can still submit your application for adoption if mm-hmm. you want. But now you're considered equal with the foster parents. 
Wow. And so she was really upset. Uh-huh. You know, that conversation ends. Yeah. And then, long story short, super unfortunate to hear that then they ended up claiming to the court uh-huh. a refund for their tickets to come see him, their time spent here. They wanted money back. What? Yeah, it was super crazy to us because That's we thought we were doing it because your family. Yeah. But apparently, I think they were doing it just because they were looking to adopt. Um, who knows what it could have been, but long story short, they were not happy. Right. Understandably so. We ended up getting the adoption. Mm-hmm. And then Lisa broke into tears. That's I was amazing. confused because she broke into tears and her face looked so sad when she was crying. <laughs> and I was like, wait, I thought we just kind of like... And she's like, yes, we did. I just can't contain my tears. I'm like, okay. So, yeah. <laughs> Super funny in court. Tears of joy can look like tears of yes, too. Exactly. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, okay, but we won, right? We got him. Yes, okay, cool. The whole time, wow. I had some kind of gut intuition yeah. that I knew... Yeah. Since like day two, I knew he was gonna be our son for the rest of our lives. Yeah. I kept telling Lisa, I'm like, look, I don't know what it is. I don't have the legal knowledge. Mm-hmm. I don't have a hard reason why. I just know he's gonna end up in our home forever. That's awesome. I I had that. Eve, I remember talking to you during that time, and like I remember even asking you about it, because uh, you had told me, and. It always seemed like when you shared that information that you kind of always knew. Yeah. Like, even when you talked never... about it, you were like, and I'm like, why well, are you nervous? You're like, no. I was like, stressed <laughs> out for Lisa. Yeah. She was freaking out. Right. Right? Obviously, she's a different you... person than I am. Right. And she was just like, oh my God, this is the most tragic thing that's going to happen to me. And I'm like, let's be positive. Right. Laws of attraction. Mm-hmm. All the things I believe in, she doesn't believe in. She's like, laws of attraction, BS. <laughs> the law is the law. You're right. You don't understand the law. <laughs> The law says yeah, it's not going to be ours. Yeah, we don't a lot of attraction with a lawyer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's amazing. I'm like, all right, that's fine. I'll continue to believe in the positive energies of the universe. Yeah. And I just I have a gut intuition. He's going to be ours. We're good people. It's it's yeah. going to work out. And I kept telling her it didn't help, but you know, I actually stopped telling her because telling her wasn't helping anymore. Oh, right, right. And then we ended up. Sometimes little you little. just got to keep that to yourself. And I was like, see, I told you. No, I'm kidding. I didn't yeah. say that. <laughs> But it was exciting. That's a really cool story. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, so, wow, that was a really cool way to, I feel, end this. What is next for you and for Riptide? Obviously, continuing to grow the gym. Mm-hmm. Um, we're nowhere near where we need to be or I want to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're on the right path, mm-hmm. uh, generally speaking. Um, and still trying to find a more uh, concise path running the business, always trying different things, coaches development. Um, we do have a very, very small location, which I love, mm-hmm. coming from big gyms. Um, but I would like a slightly bigger location, yeah. not that much bigger. So I think within the next year to three years is growing our membership and our business operation from a financial perspective yeah. to be able to justify a bigger location. Mm-hmm. Um, two, growing our coaches. Um, I would say one right now, my bigger focus right now is growing coaches yeah. and developing coaches to make them rock stars. I mean, they're already amazing. Yeah, they're already rock stars, um, but there's just so much more growth for them. Mm-hmm. So much more growth for me as a leader and a manager mm-hmm. and, and, and developing coaches. I'm like, my learning curve is super steep in this. Mm-hmm. And so I'm still learning how to manage and lead and develop coaches, but I'm just lucky that I already have great people in the gym. So continue to grow coaches, grow the coaching essentially, mm-hmm. um, and, and then continue to improve that in our processes. 
and then hopefully within one to three years move to a slightly bigger location and then continue to grow from there and then in five years have it as a lean mean running machine where everything is automated to the point where I have a couple of people running the gym for me like a head coach maybe slash manager yeah that will liberate me to one just be way more present in my son's life right I think by the time he's six seven eight or nine he's gonna be doing enough activities and I want to be there for most if not all of them mm -hmm. and then two maybe starting other businesses other projects um, for fun for fulfillment and for continuing to grow that's great yeah I love to hear that well thank you so much Santi no my pleasure if people want to reach out to you um, for anything like how can you be reached on social yeah obviously media? social media um, Santi Callejas or S Callejas man I don't even remember my own Instagram handle yeah, you changed it because yeah. I you used to be Santi RX. I and, did, and, and I, I can't. That's find when you. I first started our uh, CrossFit. Uh huh. I was like Santi RX because I was so stoked about CrossFit, <laughs> and then I grew up, and I'm like, okay, that's cheesy. Yeah. <laughs> Santi Callejas Ten. Can you spell that? Please? Yeah. S A N T I, C A L L E J A S one zero. If you type my name though, Santiago. Okay. Callejas. Okay. You will find me. Got uh, it. Riptide CrossFit. Riptide CrossFit for the Instagram. Yep. Facebook, Santiago Callejas. I'm just straight Santiago Callejas Perfect. on Facebook. Um, or Santiago at RiptideCrossFit.com. Awesome. And, or my phone number if you have it. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. My pleasure was mine. It was wonderful and enlightening and inspiring. And I'm sure I'll have you on this podcast again soon. I loved it. I would right. love that again. <laughs> Great. Thank you, Santi. Thank you so much, guys, for tuning in to episode nine with Santi Callejas from Riptide CrossFit and the CrossFit seminar staff. Just as a reminder, um, if you guys haven't yet given to the crowdfund for the yoga studio so we can launch the Cheetah Coalition Project, which is free yoga membership at the studio once we open our doors, um, please go to ifundwomen.com and search Red Cheetah Yoga or simply head to redcheetahyoga.com and click on studio. The links are also in the the bio of my Instagram at Nikki the Fairy. That's N I K K I the Fairy F A I R Y, and also at Red Cheetah Yoga. The color the animal in yoga. Also, if you're interested in participating in a yoga retreat at Inward Retreats on Instagram, I-N-W-A-R-D-R-E-T-R-E-A-T-S, all one word, no punctuation. Um, join myself and Monique um, this November 7th through 10th in Key Largo. We rent a beautiful home right on the water. We are kayaking, snorkeling, doing yoga, a couple different types of meditation, and you'll be part of amazing um, group transformational work in between those activity sessions. So if you're interested in that, please send me an email, redcheetahyoga at gmail.com, or just send me a DM 
on any of those platforms. Um, also, you can send me a message through redsheetyoga.com on the contacts for anything and everything that you have heard on this or any of the other podcasts on this podcast. So if you enjoyed this episode, please give us a follow on Apple Podcasts. Give us a five-star review. And if you have any requests or suggestions or things you want clarified, please do not hesitate to reach out on any of the aforementioned platforms at Nikki the Fairy on Instagram, Nikki McGowan on Facebook. It's N-I-K-K-I-M-C-G-O-W-A-N. Um, I would love to hear from you guys um, what your thoughts and feedback is on this podcast. So again, we are looking forward to your donation to the studio so we can get the studio open and running and start taking PTSD um, or taking veteran suicide, excuse me, veteran suicide from 21 a day down to zero and spearheading the beast of PTSD and getting present to the reality that it is curable. So thank you so much again, you guys, for listening. And until next episode, I'm looking forward to hearing from you guys. Bye.